And I remember Vince and the agents were like, are you sure you're okay? Sure you're okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm great. Every, everything's fine. And then the next day it comes out that, I think it was on the Thursday, the next day it comes out that um, <clears throat> Brian got fired. Professional wrestling superstar, champion, entrepreneur, author, and show host. Feeds you more interviews, more stories, more information, and more laughs than ever before. <laughs> Conversation with the big guy, Ryback, with JD and Asian Joe, starts now. Welcome to Conversation with the Big Guy Ryback. I am the Big Guy Ryback. We're on episode 127, moving along, and uh, we have a great episode for you today. I'm uh, really excited. We have a good buddy of mine from WWE, Justin Roberts, in the house. Uh, he's going to be coming on here very shortly, and uh, really, really looking forward to that one. He's uh, he's just a good all-around human being. Great, great ring announcer. I mean, just, it's... Uh, he always added, added to the matchups and um, had a hell of a run, hell of a run, and uh, he's doing great things. And so it's good to to be able to sit down and uh, have a little conversation with Justin Roberts. I got to say, I had my shoulder stem uh, not stem cell. I've had enough of those. Got another one of those on the eleventh, but the uh, as of now the shoulder scope. The other day on Tuesday, and uh, to give everyone a little update on everything going on on the health of the big guy, it's uh, it went great. They uh, I got an appointment with the doctor here coming up on February eighth, and uh, to go over the procedure that they did. And when uh, shoulder was was pretty, they they'd cut me in three different places on that. And you know, a scope is not nearly a, it's not as nearly as invasive. As a as a surgery where they really cut you open uh, on a much larger scale, so I know they told me the doctor was in another procedure afterwards, but the assistant had mentioned to me that they were able to remove something they like. There were multiple bone spurs, but they one of them that was really really screwing with my range of motion a little bit, which was really just more bothersome than anything. So. It will be really fascinating to see doing the new stem cell procedure that I'm, I'm doing on the 11th. It is, it's a new procedure. It's about, they've been doing it for about six months now. And according to the doctor, everybody, not some, not most, everybody they have performed the new procedure in for the shoulder has had great results and great results really quickly um, in which the, 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 the shoulder surgeon, and uh, he had a conversation with me. He really, really thinks the combination of these two is going to put my shoulder where I want it to be for me to be able to um, just be, just training-wise, life-wise, functionality-wise. Wrestling, I could always work around anything. But I think, it, and it's more of a, the, the shoulder is is bad as that hurts and as annoying as that is, and, uh, and, and it can be limiting at times, 
It's not. It's not like the back issue. The back is something. You, there's no no wiggle room on the back situation, and uh, and the great news is my back is this is the best it's been, and I've said that that various points, the last probably close to two years because after every procedure it is the best it's been, in in recent memory or the past three or four years, and uh, I'm in I'm in no pain right now though zero pain. Um, I'm also not working out right now. I've been off for going over three weeks and uh, losing my mind on that end. Go do, I go do my hour of cardio every day. I got to stay active. I do my stretching on the days I like. I'm able to start stretching again now. And uh, I'm actually, I'm, the DDPY yoga is going to be a regular routine, morning routine for me. Just uh, until I need to buy myself, I ideally would like to be able to stay off for two months. Um, without touching a weight because I think it will really, really benefit me to let my body just completely rest, not push it because uh, there's no really middle ground with me. Even even when I, I scale it back and uh, I'm not lifting the, the amount of weights that I used to lift, I used to lift in the past. Um, I increase my sets, I increase my reps, I uh, and I'm in there just as long. So I really, you know... It's uh, it's just it's who I am. It's who I've always been. I've been training since I was 11, 12 years old. I've been active since I was a little kid, and um, I don't really know any other way. But I've, as I've gotten older, I've learned to take time off and to rest. Um, I need, I really, really need to continue to exercise patience on this. And it's been, it's been patience is the one thing I talked about it last week. I believe I've had to learn patience in all of this. And, um, a lot of, a lot of valuable life lessons have come from this situation for me. So it is, um, extremely thankful for that. It sucks at times because you want to be doing one thing, uh, you know, along with everything else. And you can't because you know, you just know deep down that if you try, it's going to be very short lived. And, uh, I don't want that to be the case. And, uh, I think everyone's going to be happy, um, when I am able to pull the trigger once again and uh, dedicate myself and come back better than I've ever been, it will um, hopefully, and then I'm very optimistic about that, but sometimes there's things out of your control and whatnot health-wise, and uh, I've learned you just got to be thankful for everything that's happened, and um, I have a great life regardless, so a lot of other things to be happy about, but I think it's going to, I think this story is going to have a Happy ending. I always said the name of my book, my the book, my my wrestling book is going to be Broken Bones and Happy Ending, Happy Endings, and uh, there's multiple meanings to that if you've listened to this show, and um, I truly believe that's going to be the case in the long run here. So it's uh, sometimes things don't always make sense in the short run, but I could kind of I've looked at the big picture and and I, I realized that a couple of years ago when I when I went this route and. Took a chance going with the stem cell procedure. It was unproven. I'd heard great things, but it was really, there's, they still say it's unproven. I'm a walking, talking example that it is not unproven. It works. And um, there was a show on Netflix actually trying to debunk stem cells. And I just, I wish whoever chose to put that out, I could put the pain that I was in before I started this 
with the nerve issues and the atrophy going on in the right leg. Wish I could just let them feel that for one day. One day. That's all they would need. And then how I feel right now and have them put that out because I would guarantee you they wouldn't. But people make money, you know, trying to push opinions of something and not necessarily always having all the facts. And that's life. But I'm here to tell you that stem cells do work. You just got to find the right doctor. You got to know the right ones. And uh, we live in a really, really cool period where um, this stuff is only going to just keep improving. So if we could avoid surgery, it's, uh, that's always, it's always best to avoid surgery whenever you can, especially on the back. That is something that uh, there's no turning back from. So I've, uh, my, which my doctor says I've had more stem cell procedures than anyone he's ever heard of. And we're going on 11 here. So I'm just, I don't know if that's something to be proud of or it was, uh, it was, it's how many have been needed. And they'll honestly probably be more throughout my life just for maintenance, just because it's so amazing. And, uh, I, uh, I'm thankful for it. I know that much. I will say, uh, on the feed me more nutrition, we've got some really cool things happening with that. It's, uh, this is growing and growing and it, it has been a process of learning. A lot of this is learning. I jump into things and I figure it out as I go along and, uh, sometimes things work, sometimes they don't work, but, uh, you adjust, you evolve and, um, you just keep trying. And, uh, I had a great phone call this past week with, uh, the largest distributor in the United States for supplements to getting feed me more nutrition in brick and mortars. And, uh, I'm very, very excited um, for 2019 here on, on as far as Feed Me More Nutrition goes. And uh, working with a, a company also on Amazon, and uh, we're about to have a really, really big special on the big guy, uh, Testosterone Booster, um, which I, I've, if you've heard me talk about it, you've heard me rave about it time and time again. It is uh, it, it's my most amazing formula as far as what it's capable of. Um, the Shellshock Extreme Fat Burners are bestseller. The Test Boosters right behind it, but we're going to be making a big push on that um, on Amazon and uh, getting that up in the search rankings. And we're going to be running a very uh, cool special on that. I believe it's going to be for twenty nine ninety nine, and uh, we're not going to be making any money on it. But the goal of that's going to be to move as many units as humanly possible. Uh, in in a very short amount of time, increasing reviews further. So again, if you could leave reviews on Amazon, guys, for the Feed Me More Nutrition, it greatly helps out. I can't and I can't thank you enough. It really, Amazon is very review based. When we get those real, the reviews have been amazing. We just need more of them, and uh, and that takes time. But that's this is what this company is good at as far as moving product and getting real reviews in, and uh, which helps the product show up in uh, the search rankings a little better which we will be doing on the other Feed Me More Nutrition products after this is kind of a test to see, especially after with those marketers, you know, and I learned my lesson the hard way on that and threw away 40K pretty quickly. And um, you got to take chances, so. And uh, unfortunately, and it, it taught me a lot on uh, as far as with the nutrition on, on, on the affiliate program we have. That's the other thing on feedmemore.com if you sign up. For our affiliate program, you get 25% off 
of all sales of Feed Me More Nutrition um, on the website, and you get a you get a you get a code for ten percent off for your followers and for yourself. And it's a great program. Send you a little care package with images and hashtags, and uh, you post it in your bio. The link, your link with your the code at Feed Me More Nutrition brand supporter, and anybody that clicks on that link and buys buys uh, Feed Me More Nutrition on the website buys anything from feedmemore.com, you get 25% of the sale. That is uh, that is a very high rate. Um, and it's something we end up with that and the code, we're losing 35% of our of our order, uh, cutting into our profits, which we're, we're, we're making very minimal profits, if that, on those orders. But the goal of that is to increase awareness via social media. And it's done us a lot of good. It has increased sales. It's increased sales on Amazon even further with that program. So if you want to sign up for that, go to feedmemore.com. It's under the affiliate program. Become a brand supporter. People that, that and we make the payouts on the 1st and the 15th every month. There's somebody, people, there's a couple people that have made a hundred and something dollars. It, it's not hard. And uh, that's just for, that was for, for what, two weeks. So, you know, you literally don't have to do anything if you sign up. You just post the the, the link in your in your Instagram bio and you just kind of go about your business and you know, and people click on it. And if they buy the supplements, they like what they see, and then you make money. And uh, so it, it's a cool program, and uh, it's growing pretty rapidly. So I'm excited about that on that front. With that, a couple little shout-outs this week with Vegas Skin and Beauty here in Las Vegas for all your, your skin beauty care needs. They uh, Great laser hair removal. They are, they are removing me of any body hair. And I've had one treatment so far on my legs and my upper body, and my hair hasn't been growing since. And uh, it's going to take, like I said, 10 to 12 but treatments. But you go every two or three months, I think, every eight to 10 weeks. And I'm due back, I think, in February here. It is February, so probably before the end of the month and uh, get in there and get another treatment on that. A wrestling historian on, on, on Instagram She's stuttering Tom right there. Uh, a wrestling historian on Instagram. He uh, Give him a follow if you you love wrestling. Uh, he, is, uh, he has a great account of posting of the history of, of professional wrestling. And he is a great wrestling fan. Helps this podcast out tremendously on helping us line up guests for the interviews and whatnot. And uh, we've got real good foods, as you've heard on the, on the commercials on the podcast. You could save 10% with Ryback. They're great guys. It's legit. They're in my freezer. I eat it on my low-carb slash keto days. And uh, with their, their real good pizza, their jalapeno poppers, cheddar poppers, uh, their enchiladas. It, I, I love them all. Legit, that's another thing. Zevia, official drink of the podcast, conversation with the big guy Ryback. I like uh, being affiliated with things that I believe in and I like, and uh, I believe it just it just creates um, for more honesty. That way, you're not uh, like if you ever heard the podcast early on. We had to, we had a, a read for one of the razor things, and I did not didn't think it was horrible. I just didn't think it was great, and I can't I, I can't lie. I just can't. I don't feel good. I I mean, I could lie. But I wouldn't feel good about myself, and I don't. I just don't. I've learned you're just honest, and people will love you or they'll hate you. And I'd rather they love me for being honest than love me for lying. 
or hate me, you know, for lying. They could hate me for being honest because that's, that's a very real thing too. But that's life and it is what it is. Warrior Massage Gun, give them a follow on, uh, on Instagram as well. They have a, a, a phenomenal massage gun that has helped me out tremendously. So big thank you to, to them as well. And with that, guys, we're going to take a quick little break, and we're going to be right back with Justin Roberts after these brief messages. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's the big guy, Ryback, and I want to talk to you about Fuel Meals, my personal meal prep service I've been using for years. Meal prep at your doorstep. Fuel Meals at FuelMeals.com has something for everybody. An easy way to eat healthy in this fast-paced life we are all living. Whenever I'm in a pinch, I go to my Fuel Meals and I love it. I love to eat real food, but the fact is I can't cook for every single meal of the day. So Fuel Meals come in handy for me when I need it most, and I think it could help you too. Tell them the big guy sent you and use discount code THEBIGGUY to save 15%. FuelMeals.com. Feed me more. All right. We are back. And this week, good buddy, guy I've been looking forward to talking to. I haven't seen him in a bit. I don't like to use the word former, even though, but you were one of the great WWE ring announcers. Author of Best Seat in the House, Justin Roberts. How you doing, buddy? Hey, big guy. I'm glad to be here with you. I listen to your podcast, so it's cool to actually be on your podcast. Oh, thank you. It's, uh, I had no idea what I was doing when I jumped into this. It was more of uh, reading business stuff, and I knew having a podcast was really important to kind of tie everything together. And I wanted, uh, I wanted to let people know my real personality a little more. And it started doing them in a hotel room and not really telling stories and, and giving, uh, giving reasons for, you know, why I left WWE and everything. And then as it went along, it evolved and we had some changes, not necessarily by choice, but then it, it was never wanting to interview people for the longest time. And then I kind of got bored with, uh, I feel like you got to be able to, you can only talk about so much going on in your life with other people and stuff. And I finally got to the point I was like, I'm ready to start talking to people, but it was, and I, I had the Nexus guys on first, actually, uh, like Stu and PJ and, and Darren Young and Michael Tarver, because I wanted what? to get comfortable kind of talking to people, and because uh, it's different interviewing somebody than than just doing a regular show that we do on this this podcast still, but I'm, it's great to have you, man, and, and I really appreciate you taking well, the time. Well, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. The, uh, I know you said you, uh, you had a workout before you before you, we had this call today, and uh, last time I saw you was at an independent <laughs> show and, uh, in which you took your shirt off and were flexing, and, and you, got a, you were jacked. <laughs> are you still, are you like, still holding that position? Sure of you? Like, okay. <laughs> I went through my phone. I couldn't find it the other day because I was going to post that photo up. I can't find it to save my life. The, where you were flexing in the in the locker room, and uh, I like the photo of us when you had yourself airbrushed on the back of your uh, your outfit, and uh, it, it almost looked like Doctor Evil. And then I got next to it and did the Doctor Evil like pinky. Which one like, was yeah. that? I remember. Uh... It was very Doctor Evil, and I appreciated that and took a picture with it. <laughs> I could find it in my phone. I had a lot of the uh, singlets. Different things. I want that might have been the Statue of Liberty one. I had my face was was pretty unique in that one. We did some pretty <laughs> ridiculous things. 
on that. But is uh, what's the workout routine like for for Justin Roberts? Well, it's been very consistent since I'm not on the road as much as I used to be, and uh, I really like that. So I try to go in about five days a week, and I used to do like two days, take a day off, three days, take a day off. But I really like going Monday through Friday, taking the weekends off, and uh, especially if I'm going out and working on a weekend, get the workout out of the way, don't have to worry about doing that when I'm on the road. So I went hiking last Monday with uh, Charles Robinson and uh, Matt Hanrahan. And uh, they were in town for the Royal Rumble weekend, and I'm not a hiker. I had only ever hiked twice in my life, and Charles wanted to go on Friday, so he did it, and I liked it and had a good time. He's like, let's do Camelback. And, or I think he was just going to do Camelback, and I was like, you know, I've always been scared to do that. That's the big one here, and um, I'm not great at hiking, but all right, I'll do it. So we went on Monday, which I skipped the gym, so today was like a makeup day. So. Okay. Uh, my five days done, take tomorrow off, back at it Monday. Today was back day. That's what I do on Friday. The, the hiking out there, that could, uh, you, time could, you can get on those trails. Cause we got Red Rock Canyon up here, and uh, I ventured out with a girl there a couple times. And uh, I know we have the snakes out here. You guys are the same out there in Arizona, correct? With the, with the, yeah, but I think the, the rumor is, because I'm not experiencing this, I believe the rumor is when it gets warmer out, that's when the snakes start coming out. So because it's still, it's perfect for hiking, it's like 70 degrees, but because it's still a little bit cooler, we're not in the 80s, 90s, 100s, you don't see the snakes. I, okay, okay, I was, because I, I was of the understanding, too, like out here in the summer heat, that like at night is when they would come out here when it cools, but it's hot, it, it's warm, but not scorching hot. Yeah, that makes sense, because... I've only seen snakes a couple of times living out here for all these years, and it was always in the evening. Yeah, that was, uh, I went out with, I made sure to wear long pants, and uh, this girl wanted to go, she's from out of town, and we got deep into the trail at Red Rock, and because they have all the different trails, and I, it was starting, the sun was going down, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I don't like to I ever show, don't ever like to show fear in front of anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Especially a girl that you're, you 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 have out here visiting, and uh, I started sweating as we we she she got had us so deep, lost off the trail. I mean, just out in the middle of nowhere in that sun. And I didn't. I kept telling, I go, well, you know, it's getting dark. We might want to, you know, just start kind of going the other way. And and all I'm thinking about is you could see all the snake holes out there. Yeah. And I'm, in my head, I'm just like, this stuff, we're going to be stuck <laughs> out here in the middle of nowhere. We have no water, no food. And these snakes are going to start popping out of these holes. And I'm, I'm going to, like, just take off and leave her. <laughs> you just run away. Just run, like, forest. And... There's going to be snakes. I'm out of here. And, uh... She luckily she got really really hungry at some point and she was she wanted to go eat and so we started going back and I didn't have to say anything. We got back the sun had just went down when we got back to my truck, so exactly. it was someone was looking out for us for sure. <laughs> but do you do as far as the weight training? Do you do more of like a bodybuilding type workout? Any cardio or anything? Or I uh, I do about a half hour on the stairmaster, which doesn't prepare you for hiking because you still go and hike and it's like oh i'm not in shape i do about a half hour every day of cardio and then uh, monday i will do uh what do i start with i start with shoulders monday do arms on tuesday do legs on wednesday chest on thursday back on friday 
good. When you were when you were on the road, now did you did you routinely work out as well on the road to stay busy? Yeah, I, I would work out my couple days at home, and then usually wouldn't get to work out the first day because it took all day to travel to to the first town. And then the guys that I rode with, we'd always go to the gym on Saturday, go to the gym on Sunday, some days go to the gym on Monday for TV day, um, fly home from Raw on uh, Tuesday morning, land and go straight to the gym. So um, I, I was very good at, at getting into the gym when I was on the road, but I wasn't having good workouts because I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't eating right. That was a, a big part of it. You have, do you have sleep apnea also? I do. You do. I do. It's something we have in common. The, yeah, uh, I remember checking in with you on a couple of appointments like, hey, what uh, what level are you at for your uh, your air pressure? Level 12 was what I was no, at. No. I don't know if they adjusted it slightly because when I got my nose fixed, but... Oh, cool. The Are you still using the CPAP machine or... Every night, and I'm at a 13. Ooh. How's... <laughs> good. Your sleep apnea is worse than mine. That's... Yeah. <laughs> And I don't get it. I, I guess it's just the shape of your throat. That's yeah. I just found down. my doctor, the stem cell doctor that that is that has saved me out here. He just referred me to uh, a dentist. He goes because I was talking. I I hate the CPAP. I I used to when I first started it. I hated it because I was you're kind. I was kind of claustrophobic to having something on my face, and I would rip it off at night. Yep. Yep. But then once you get over that, and you actually sleep with it and see how much better you feel it just something in your brain switches where you're like wow this is amazing and you just yeah. it, it becomes oddly comforting to have the mask on at night i have found for me anyways dude i used to wake up at like 6 a.m and be like all right i'm taking this thing off and i would take it off and sleep for another like three hours yeah. without the mask i didn't realize that i was actually hurting myself more than helping myself there because when you sleep those three hours you can't breathe, and if you start doing what you do when you have sleep apnea, you're defeating the purpose. Yeah. So one of the big problems for me wearing the full mask was the, the plastic that goes around your nose. Like I would have like a red mark. I have the same thing. But now they have a new mask that it, it's basically the same, but instead of the plastic around it, it's more of like a... Or the foam, right? Like kind it's of a like foam. yes. That that one and leaves as much of a mark on me though. It does. Yeah, I get it right I'll there between my you eyes. Have and see if you have that. Because if you don't, you have to get the one that I have. Yeah. No more whatsoever. See that definitely. Please send me that because my doctor, I that mask, I never had those lines on my face, but wearing that mask, like the Hogan lines, I call them, where you yeah. get that or that <laughs> Snoopy dog look, where they like the the pound dog, whatever the where you just kind of. And I never had that. And then I started those. I was like, these masks are giving me lines in my face. And I was like, but I feel so good. But my doctor just told me they now have called a sleep appliance and at the dentist where it solves sleep apnea. And over half the patient with severe sleep apnea. It's All right. Is that the deal device. where you put it, you put like the retainer on your yep. uppers and your lowers and it kind of locks together. I had that. Somebody made one for me. He's like, I don't think it's going to be effective for you, but we can try it. And I think if you have... Um, like moderate sleep apnea, if it's a low level, then it could possibly help yep. you. But if it's a more severe sleep apnea, then it doesn't do anything for you. That's what they they said that it's or something along the lines of it, it was and it was in half the people that were doing it. And I thought they said it, maybe it was that exactly how you that makes more sense 
and moderate, and then people with the severe, it doesn't work as well. Yeah, they, unfortunately. They also told me to getting my tonsils removed because uh, I have my I tonsils. Have my tonsils. See, that's crazy. And they said there's uh, getting your tonsils removed. There's a, it, 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 that solves a sleep apnea problem in a lot of people. And like my tonsils are overdeveloped, they said. And but they don't bother me or anything. But with, when you're dealing with throat tissue, that extra room, they said, can make all the difference. And Do you get sick a lot? No. Okay. But I was getting sick a lot and like yeah. bad sore throats. So I had the tonsillectomy and that was huge. That saved me. That probably, because I was early on in my WWE career that uh, if I didn't have that done, I don't know if I would have been able to make it. Yeah, because you can't be getting sick for that. Did you have a hard time recovering? Because my doctor said in adults, that's the one thing that it's like, he says it could take weeks. Yeah, that, that's a long recovery as you get older. Uh, it was about two weeks, and I I wasn't eating anything. I was basically living on popsicles and um, ended up having to go back to work earlier than I was supposed to. Of course. So, yeah. That, <laughs> the one uh, thing that you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, somebody uh, somebody needed a week off, and um, I was like, well, I just had the surgery. You know, I, I didn't expect to be working. And you can't kind of, that's really a hard one to tough your way through, you're dealing, because it's just so out of your control. <laughs> I just jumped back into it, and luckily I, I think I did okay, but came back a little bit too early. But I... I the thing is, if anybody out there is going to be having a tonsillectomy, getting your tonsils out, here is the weirdest thing that's going to happen, possibly. It, it might not happen to everybody, but in my experience, so I'm living on popsicles for like two weeks. I'm out of commission. Everything what kind of popsicles? I don't remember. I just, I remember fudgicles, ah, okay. anything that I had in the freezer. My mom flew out from Chicago. This was early, early on. And, uh, like, she came to make sure that I was going to be all right and, like, took care of me, and it, it was great. Um, so I'm eating popsicles, but then when I was finally able to eat normal food, I went to the restaurant, and I had, I think it was, like, pasta, and it was gross. I'm like, oh, I'm finally able to eat food, and my pasta is disgusting. How do you mess up pasta? Yes. And then my next meal was gross, and I was like, I'm having the worst luck in restaurants. Everything is really bland. Well, it turns out that that's a side effect of having the tonsillectomy. You lose your sense of taste. So I wasn't able to taste, and it took a while for that to come back. How long? I think it was a couple of weeks. After you healed and when you were able after to eat? I healed, yeah. Like, like a month after the procedure then? Yeah, so I was eating food. I mean, I think I found certain things that... It, it didn't matter that it didn't have taste. It was still okay. Yeah. But everything else just tasted bland, and it was it was gross. Did that make eating difficult, more difficult? Yeah. Yeah, it was hard to eat something that had no taste. What kind of diet now do you – because on the podcast, I'm a big advocate now of intermittent fasting. It's changed my life. And from a health perspective and, and just physique-wise, it's unbelievable. How long do you go? I – I do 19 hours of fasting every day with five hours of eating, which is completely against Wait, everything. Wait, you do this every day? Almost. So I, when I first started it, I did it every day, but you're not supposed to do it every day. You're supposed to do like, I do uh, five days a week of fasting, 19 hours, and then eating for five. And then, uh, so I go three days, and then on the fourth day, I'll do a regular day of eating, morning to night. I'll stop at 11 o'clock because I usually eat from... Six to eleven on the fasting nights at night, 
Uh, and then I'll do another two days of the 19-5 fasting followed by another day of eating. And I'll usually put like a, a cheat meal on that second day of to get, because the purpose of that is to get some more calories in because they find it's the calories in versus out isn't necessarily like a 24 hour thing. It's more of a, there is no real, it's more of a week thing or a month thing in it, but it keeps your metabolism kind of firing so that when you do do the fasting, you get more benefits from the fasting. Um, because if you go too, too long, there could be, there's debates of long, long term of slowing down the metabolism slightly and whatnot. But when you put the regular feeding days in there, it kind of eliminates that, that doubt hmm. and where the, the fasting, you get more of the benefits from it. But it, I it, tried to fast once and I think I went about 19 hours and I think it was just taking water at that point and it just. I don't know. I felt like lightheaded and uh, I just felt like I needed to eat. So I think I went 24 and then that was it. That's great, man. But it takes time. I, when I first started doing it, I was very uncomfortable because I was, I was eating every two hours a lot of times. And I, w I went from eating eight to ten times a day, but I was overeating so badly. And it was just so unhealthy on so many different – even though I was eating healthy foods – it was just so unhealthy, and I found... You were eating a lot. I remember that. Yeah. You used to bring, like, a bag of food to a show, and you would eat, and then you'd do the show, and then you'd be eating again. And I'd bring multiple meals to the shows yeah. to eat, like, in, or multiple subs. The and, whole feed me more thing, that, that was real. That was, was a real thing. <laughs> it was never about food on TV, but it is as real as it gets for me in real life. Yes. So I was like, I always tell people, I was like, if I could intermittent fast... And I, I go, anybody could do it because I was, it was the one thing I was so against. And then I heard, heard a George St. Pierre on the Rogan podcast and he was, and he's built incredibly well. And, and he talked about how it changed his life and the health benefits and how it doesn't burn muscle. It raises growth hormone levels. It raises testosterone levels. And I'm on this ultimate health kick of getting myself as healthy as possible. And it, man, I go, you know what? I'm going to try it. And it, it, it's been the best decision I've ever made. Uh, and it's made life so much simpler and, and just eating and learning about yourself. And it allows your body to heal and repair when you're not eating all the time and like spiking your insulin. And it, it's, it's I had a, I had a guy, Thomas DeLauer on, on, on the archives on this show, maybe about four or five episodes back. He's, he has a, he's a big YouTube following. He, he's an expert kind of in inter intermittent fasting and I highly recommend anyone to go listen to that episode if you're if you're curious on getting started. It, it's a good listen for all of that, but it's uh, it's good stuff. I did want to ask you though, what for as far as for for wrestling and, and ring announcing? At what age? Because you know, becoming a ring ring announcer. At what age did you know that was something that you you wanted to do? Was it at a very young age? Did you want to be a wrestler first? How did that process help? I always loved wrestling. Ever since I discovered it and got hooked, I always was just, I, that's all I thought about uh, all day, every day. And so when I was a kid, you know, 11, 12 years old, I thought it would be cool to be a wrestler and I want to be a wrestler. And then as I got a little bit older and got into high school, it started realizing, I started having conversations with people. Um, I ran into Aldo Montoya, a Portuguese man of war. Yes. PJ Walker, just like incredible. Yep. So he gave me a phone number for a wrestling trainer, his buddy in New York, who was Tony DeVito, who is in ECW as the Baldies later on. And I used to call him and ask him a million questions. And 
it, it almost became more real because back then you didn't have the internet. You didn't have it wasn't like you could like look up wrestling in the yellow pages. Way there was, yeah, it was like how do you actually become a wrestler? You had no idea. So Same I would have conversations with Howard Finkel. I used to call and like bother him at the office with silly questions. I used to bother Tony DeVito. And by talking to them and, and asking them questions and hearing a little bit more of how it works, I realized, okay, this might not be the best for me. I'm, I'm in high school right now. It's not like I can leave high school to, to go out to New York and, and train with Tony. And I didn't really know about training in Chicago until I started ring announcing, but it was just ring announcing was the easy way to get into wrestling for me. Yeah. Um, referees, managers, wrestlers, it seemed like everybody had to go to wrestling school, whatever wrestling school was, because back then I really didn't know. I just figured, oh, I could do a deep voice, and I could do an announcer voice, and I'll be a ring announcer. So you had that skill, though, as a kid, though, that you recognize that you could do the voice, because I feel like not everybody... That doesn't go into everybody's mind necessarily. Yeah, I, realize it. I did voices. I did impersonations. I did a lot of Saturday Night Live impersonations. So when they used to call on me to read out loud in high school, they'd be like, everybody would go around the classroom. They'd call on a name. Somebody would read a paragraph. So they'd call on me, and I would do a funny voice to pop my class. Yeah. And then they would go to the next person. But then they might come back to me. The teacher would be like, Justin, go ahead. And so every time she came to me, I felt like I had to do a different voice. And one of those was like an announcer voice, blah, blah, blah. whatever I heard on TV, I would talk like this. Or sometimes I'd do like the micro machine guy and go yep. really quickly. One of my so, favorites as a that, kid. Yeah, <laughs> that's where I discover that I could just, yeah, I could do an announcer voice. Wow. And did that, and so did you have a difficult time from once you kind of got your foot in a little bit to getting into WWE? Was that was that a treacherous process for you, or did it was it something that came fairly easily? Uh, I worked really hard for that. Yeah, I, I worked really hard for that. I started doing indies at sixteen and worked locally in Chicago from sixteen to eighteen. Came out to Arizona for school when I was nineteen. Started trying to hook up with independents in in Arizona and surrounding areas, um, and then would started working with Dal Ganya and uh, his AWA from Minnesota, and he was running bigger shows. So I did the smaller shows. I did his bigger shows. I started working with Sergeant Slaughter's and Jerry Lawler's and Jimmy Hart's and guys who had actually been there and uh, started picking their brains and started sending videotapes to WWF and WCW with all this footage of working with all these guys. You hustled. So it was... Uh, it was very, I was very persistent and it was a very long process. And, you know, I just kept reaching out to both companies until WWE was the only one that existed, made them crazy. So I kept putting myself out there, wouldn't usually hear a response from them, but still kept sending videotapes and resumes. Oh no, I wanted that. That's all that I wanted. And so when I graduated college, I reached out to them and said, hey, it's me again. I just graduated from uh, U of A yesterday. I'm going to be living in the Phoenix area. If there's anything that I could do, anywhere I could go, I'll drive anywhere, do anything. And then I finally heard back from them. And that's when they said, we're going to give you a tryout. Wow. And that's, to me, you're, you're, you came in at a period, too, I feel like, where it wasn't, it wasn't as easy, like you said before. But like they had, because they, did they have Tony Chimmel at the time already? They had Tony, Lillian, and Howard, and yeah. there was no there was no opening for a ring announcer. There was no market. Yeah, for it. 
It's not like wrestling where there's all a certain amount of spots available or they right. make another spot available. There's already there's only so many ring announcers that you have on in, on hand or whatever. And so that's what I think is just a testament to how great you and they never are. looked for one. They never said, hey, we're looking for a ring. It was never like that. They just yep. they had their guys and that was it. Now, do you with everything there, uh, do you do you still do you miss miss it? Do you miss being in front of the people on that grand of a scale? the big, the WrestleMania is the big, that adrenaline. And, uh, because to me, you're, you're a very strong personality too. I feel, and do you, you're great at what you do and you add to any show that you're on. Does, do you miss that element of being out in front of people? Well, thank you. I enjoy that. I really enjoy being out there and being in front of a large audience. So I've just kind of learned to fill the void. You know, if, if I could do that in different worlds, you know, outside of there, um, it's like I, I had a good run there, did everything there was to do there and didn't feel like, oh, I, I want to go back and, you know, do that. I, I did it. I did WrestleMania. I did Royal Rumble. I, I did Raw, SmackDown. Yeah. So I, I feel like I did everything there was to do there. Doing All In in September was awesome. That felt That's so that. cool to, to be in front of that giant crowd and passionate crowd and it was such a cool show they they just made it so audience friendly i mean the the audience bit on everything they appreciated everything and it was great so i, I love that but i found you know i'm doing uh announcing for the world arm wrestling league and doing lion fight muay thai and doing um just other events where i'm able to kind of bring what i do to those worlds and it allows me to continue doing that that is with the all-in event. I was going to ask you about that with the energy, what that, that you said, and just you described it already, but because it looked, I caught part the a part of that early on, and it just seemed like the energy there was electric, and that it was uh, it was a great and it looked like a great environment to to be in. So, it was amazing. I mean, it started off with being in the back and seeing guys that. I've known for years, uh, and guys who are so talented, guys and girls, I, I refer to everybody's guys, guys and girls who are so talented and haven't had the opportunity to be in a giant arena and in front of such a, a large audience. Um, it was, And so it, that was always in the back of my mind, just knowing that these guys who are so good are going to be able to go out there and shine. And that was the first part. And then being in that building – it was a big arena, so that was awesome, and it looked cool. The entranceway was amazing. The set was amazing. And then the crowd came in, and I think the crowd came in two hours early before the show. That's when doors opened. So they had been sitting there. A lot of people had been sitting there since doors opened. So that's two hours. Then factor in, I believe it was an hour pre-show, and then a four-hour show on top of yeah. that. So, I mean, those people were sitting there for, like, seven hours. And by the end of the night, it wasn't like, oh, this is a long show. I want to get out of here and go home. Those fans were standing on their feet and clapping as they were all night. And they were so appreciative for the show that they got. And the talent was appreciative for the crowd that they got. It was just like everybody was happy. It was, it was really cool. It felt really cool to be a part of that. What pro wrestling should be. Yeah. Now, I was yeah. going to ask you with that, the, in being backstage in WWE and backstage at, at that all in, or, you know, the, the differences in the environment. And obviously, I think a WWE live event is more laid back. But that, I, I would, I would, this question is in reference to 
that all in event, because I would c- consider that like a TV that was broadcasted it compared to a WWE TV environment. How was how how does it compare? Like backstage, everything just a different atmosphere altogether. A lot of us were talking about that. It felt like indie WrestleMania without any eggshells, without anything. I mean, there was there was nothing negative. Everything was great. It was, uh, I mean, perfect. And and I really mean that. Everybody was just in, in good spirits, and everybody running the show was just really friendly and really, you know, they. Cody and the Bucks were like, when you go out there, just go out there and be you. Don't worry about, you know, toning it down or anything like Like, you go out there and be you and do what you do. That's why you're here. Do what you do. And it felt awesome. It uh, it felt really good to just be able to go out there. And I talked about it that I had like a throat infection. (laughs) I'd been fine for everything else I had done for the, the, other four years that I've been away from that. Yes. And then, like, the week before I get this throat infection, I went to the ENT, and he gave me an antibiotic. He gave me a steroid. And uh, it's just, it felt like there was, like, a ball in my throat. And um, I, I never have cough drops. I was I was going through cough drops like it was water, just trying to, like, <clears throat> you know, you're just, you're like this. And... When I did the first match, it was like the following God, and you're trying to like find your voice and see what you have with with the microphone. It allows you obviously to get a lot more out. And I cringe listening to the first couple of matches that I did. Really? Yeah, I cringe because I don't I don't like it because it's not it's not good. It's it's a little extra growly because it's what I had to do in order to be able to get that sound out. And even on some of the as I as I got into the show and the announcements got better, um, it still wasn't my finest work because I was limited due to my throat being at sixty some percent. It was uh, it just it wasn't good. Um, so when I hear it back, it's like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. I, I was I marked out for introducing Kenny Omega. I'm yeah. a big fan of his, and I think he's great. And it was cool to be able to introduce him, and it came out uh, kind of cool. I I felt you know proud of that one and. But even listening to it back, it's like if I were to go back and do it again, it would obviously be a, a lot different because I wouldn't be uh, so much. But did what I could do. It's great hearing just from an announcer standpoint, like how you critique yourself too, because I'm sure oh. to everybody listening, it was amazing. Dude, I used to sit and watch Raw every Tuesday when I flew home. I would I'd go to the gym, I'd come home. And I would go through and do my expenses and do all that while I had Raw on in the background. And I would listen to the three-hour show. I would listen to the announcements and think most of it I would tune out. Like it didn't it didn't phase me one way or another. Like, oh, that sounded good or, oh, I shouldn't do that again. But I would critique myself even to the very end of just every single week watching my show back and picking out what I liked or didn't like so I could be better the next time. I think that's what makes you as great as you were on that. That's I always enjoyed having you out there. I thought you, I felt you added tremendously to to the to everything. I always and I felt that way on my with uh, Mauro Ronaldo uh, Mauro, uh, pronouncing his last name. The the commentator. He is. I one of my last matches with Kalisto. Hearing him call it, he made those matches so much better just by being him and going out there and it's the same passion he's into it he could feel what you're doing and his job is to enhance your match and 
And that's what an announcer does, and, and that's what I believe as a ring announcer. My job is to enhance your entrance. Um, it's not saying that you're good, you're bad, or you need me, nothing like that. It's just you're coming out to the ring. It is my job to make it sound yep. good. You know, if if I give you a big introduction, it's it's hoping it's not to do that for myself. It's not to be like, oh, I'm good and I got myself a big intro. No, it's it's always about enhancing the wrestler's entrance. Absolutely, and that was something you were phenomenal at. I always remember in, in how you would say Ryback, and for the I remember the main event matches, and, and you just I just felt like you just emphasize. You knew how you you're really good at emphasizing the right words. And it, that's a big part of it. You have to know what to push and what not to push. And that, but that plays a big part in a match because you're the, the, the crowd that our feedback and that, that goes, they gets broadcasted to the millions of people watching around the world. That energy is so important in there. And if they can, if you can get them going, if they could feel excitement from, from the moment you start talking, it makes our job even easier when we get out there because they see a lot when they're out there and whatnot. So I always appreciated that. I, I just you think you're truly, truly just exceptional at what you do. I appreciate it. There were limitations back then, so it's been cool just to see what I could do without limitations lately. And, uh, I was going to ask you that too. Yeah, they, the guys that I've been working for have been really cool about because I come in and I, I bring – production experience i bring announcing experience and i learned a lot from you know working under vince and kevin and i learned a lot just from actually being in the field and doing shows every single night and watching out there as a fan from beginning to end every single friday saturday sunday monday every tv every house show every pay-per-view so you get a lot of experience when you're a part of that many shows and being with the crowd and being a wrestling fan on top of it, you see it from both sides. You see it from the business side and you see it from the fans' side. And you know that's, that's why I always wanted to give the very best for the fans, for you guys. You know, I just wanted to uh, build you up. I remember when you asked me about getting the big guy in there and yeah. we did that. No, and it, it, it just added, it, it gave, it, it just made it more of, it made me more of a character. That's how yeah. you get something over and it starts, but if you guys help us. You, you, I think we, uh, I think we first met in Knoxville. Did you have a dark match as Skip Sheffield? One of my, against Chavo Guerrero, which. Uh, I, I think that's where we met. And uh, you give a, a different kind of introduction to Skip Sheffield working a dark match. Because there's a lot of psychology that goes into ring announcing, which I, I don't think people realize. Um, introducing a Skip Sheffield, you can't give a big introduction because Skip Sheffield's going to go out there and people aren't familiar with him. He's not somebody that they've seen on TV every week. So you can't go out there and give him a big introduction expecting the crowd to get behind that intro. You have to make it appropriate for the expectation of the, the reaction you're going to get. I remember, I think he was on Skip Sheffield, and I came out, and uh, <laughs> from College Station, Texas, Skip Sheffield. And, uh, well, well, I wouldn't get on you. I would just, just because I, I know you're to have, you know, you want to make a good impression, and it's, I'm not going to, like, get on you as you come out, but it's, well, you know, it's Skip, Skip Sheffield. Sheffield. I mean, come on. It's, it's a very basic introduction. Skip Sheffield, you know. That is uh, my favorite thing ever is... <laughs> It's so Skip Sheffield doesn't deserve though. I, I'm I'm with you completely on this, but it makes sense from 
why would you wouldn't give a main event introduction to Skip Sheffield because it would take away from your main event introduction? Right. You yeah. can't give everybody that big. No. So in time, and I don't. I, but you got to make everybody famous. You're that. doing that. <laughs> I doubt you ever noticed that, but that's how it worked. It's like that was one intro, and then you know eventually you're Ryback, and it's a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. But as the crowd gets to know you, it's that's how it works. That's a very no. You you bring up a great point on that. Not a not a lot of people would even think about that. And uh, I was going to ask you with, with with all elite wrestling, and I know you, you you've done everything in WWE. Your career was amazing. If and I don't know if there have been uh, discussions or if they approached you and wanted you to, to come back on a and they have a TV deal in place. And uh, because I think it's incredible everything going on with that, and it's gonna I think it's gonna change the landscape of wrestling. Um, it already has started happening. I feel. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Is that something that would interest you? Or are you at a point in your life where with the wrestling, because like you said, I feel like you do have a lot to offer. And I know you love pro wrestling as do all the guys that do this and want to see the best for pro wrestling as I think that these guys do, which is really cool, something really cool about this. Would you consider, consider that at all? Or is it something right now you're not, you're just kind of enjoying life and just kind of going where the wind blows you and you have your other things going on or? Well, in 2014, wrestling is all I knew. That's that's all that I knew all my life from being a fan, and then working there for 12 years. And when I when I got done and I came off the road, I wanted to be able to just be home and get my head together and and get rest and just clear my head because it was a roller coaster was that you know? hard for you coming off the road i was because that's in my notes to actually ask you about that that transition of being on the road full-time for 12 years it, it, it was is weird. hell you, you couldn't plan ahead you know you just anything that anybody asked you to do uh i probably have to work you know i don't have my schedule you just knew that you really couldn't do anything and so when i was done i felt so free like this is really cool i could do whatever i want and I could say whatever I want, and I was very – just like you, when – you and I are very similar in that way. When we do interviews, we're very honest, yeah. and you learn from that that people will take your honest interview and then kind of spin it into something negative to get a negative headline and put a negative connotation on it, and it's just there's so much negativity out there that became like, okay, I just don't want to do any interviews anymore because yeah. I, don't, I don't want to answer something honestly and have it – like used against me. It's so, the worst feeling in the world when that happens. Yeah, it is. And, it, and people, and because it creates fake hate, as I call it. People, yeah. And it's like, you're like, because everyone you meet in real life, it's not that, but then there's this online presence from people making money on creating negative headlines and articles. And I have and seen And that's what keeps the world going. And unfortunately, that's what it is. When you look at, you know, I follow a lot of news sites on Twitter and everything's negative. Even when it's something positive, it could get spun into something negative. So I think it's safe to say, like, for you and I both, we had great runs. We had uh, the good outweighed the bad there. And, you know, we went through whatever we went through at times. But it's like, overall, we both had really great runs and got to do some really cool things. And I know I was happy to to be done. It was behind me, and, and I was off the road. So um, I just wanted to see what else was out there and see – if there was anything else that I had a passion for. And I really found that it's a blessing that I was so passionate about wrestling because when I came off the road, I wasn't passionate about anything anymore. And not having a passion is really, really... Scary. Uh, yeah. 
I just, uh, to not be passionate about something. So I've done so many different things. I've toured for like the past three years with the band Tool. I saw um, that, yep. They, they asked me, I had introduced them at a show. They're like, hey, would you want to introduce us at a show? And I started listening to their music, and I really got into it. I thought they made incredible music, and they were really good guys. I introduced them at a show. That was neat. And then when I was home off the road, uh, Adam, the guitarist, called me up, and he was like, hey, we're going to be doing this show in Tempe in Arizona, uh, and I think you would be great for hosting it. Would you be interested? I was sure. Let's give it a shot. So I, I did it, and he came up to me that night, and he goes, dude, that was awesome. You have to come on tour with us. Uh what people don't realize is I helped him put that together from a wrestling standpoint. It goes back to that psychology. I said, what if we tell the people this and then do this and then say it's going to be this because then expectations go here, but then we deliver here. And I just – I made it wrestling. And it lies do a lot in life. It does. It really does. And it went really well. And he, he meant it when he said, you got to come on tour with us. And for the past three years, I've been on all of their tours. So wow, it's wow. been really fun. I've done – TV shows, I've done movies, I've done voiceover work, I've done all these different things. Most importantly, I've been home for my family. My mom has had Parkinson's for a while now, and that doesn't get better, unfortunately. Um, hoping they're, they're working on a cure right now, but uh, in the meantime, I'm, I'm home to take her to all of her appointments, and to be here for my family in general, I love that, and there's nothing better than that. So I go out and do a gig, come home to home base, do what I need to do, stay on top of family stuff, go out, work again. Um, I'm still getting to what you asked me. Don't worry. Uh, no, no, you're uh, but what I discovered while doing all of this, this other work and in all these different fields, I, I came across an episode of uh, Being the Elite on YouTube. Okay. And... I was really entertained. I, I knew of the the Young Bucks. I had worked with them a couple times. And watching everything that Cody was doing when he left the company and started going out and he had that list of goals for indies. Yep. Watching that and watching being the elite. And I really got into it. And it was almost like I wasn't a fan of wrestling. Like I, I love wrestling. But I just wasn't as a fan. The fan in me wasn't biting on the characters or the storylines. But when I saw Being the Elite, I was like, cool, when's the next episode coming out? I got to watch this again. And I really got into that. And then from watching Being the Elite, it got me into Ring of Honor and New Japan because all the guys from that show were working for both companies. So then I was becoming a fan again because of Being the Elite, watching Ring of Honor, watching New Japan. So I'm like, okay, cool. That's, that's why I wanted to work for WWE because I was a fan of it. I wanted to work there. So then when they announced they were doing All In, I thought that was really cool. And there was a part of me that was like, wow, that would be really cool to be able to announce this. But there's no chance of it because I'm not part of their crew. You know, I'm, I, don't, I, I don't work with them. Um, and I didn't expect that to come about. And I remember being on tour with Tool. We were in Minneapolis. I was at the gym sitting on a, uh, a ball doing crunches and waiting for the press conference to start. And I sat there and watched the press conference. I'm like, this is the coolest thing. I really hope it does well. And um, right after uh, Ricardo Rodriguez had tweeted something out like, hey, if you guys need a ring announcer, I know a guy and like put my name in there. And uh, I just thought that was really cool. And I, I didn't 
retweet it or like it or anything because I didn't want to be like, trying to be you sure. know? I get you, yeah. And, uh, and when they reached out uh, completely out of the blue and asked if I wanted to do it, I, I just, wow, yes, uh, I would love to. So um, I was happy for what they were doing. I, I loved what they were doing on the show, on the YouTube show, and on Ring of Honor New Japan. And I, I just thought, this is really cool. I'm a fan of this. This is why I would want to do All In. So now, after, you know, 45 minutes later, uh, yeah, I, I would definitely be uh, interested in, in doing something with them. I think you would be a great addition and, uh, and, and greatly add to that. I think there, too, with getting guys and, and what they're doing, and it's going to be a process, obviously, but by having a young, hungry roster of guys talent-wise, mixed in with a bit of everything and not, like, learning from past companies that maybe brought too many older people in and, and whatnot. But they, they seem to, like, they with the infrastructure that they have, that they are going to... I don't know. It just gives me a really good feeling, and I feel it just the... known Cody a long time in the mind that he has. I think it's going to change the wrestling landscape. I want this to be as successful as humanly possible just for pro wrestling because I think it will make... I think it will help speed up the evolution of pro wrestling. Of we had it better than guys before us, and when a lot of the the old time wrestlers that come out of this, they don't have a lot and, and don't have anything, and and the pay structure and different. Things. I think it's just going to be better moving forward over time. And we're hearing rumblings of guys making more money now, because when you have competition or, or potential competition, it just it, it it it's better for the fans, better for the wrestlers, and it, it creates a really cool environment. And better for the company, too. It, yeah. it makes them work harder. You know, Vince, I, I think Vince loves competition. I think that's what drives him. So if there's competition, I think that's best for Vince and for that company and for everyone at that company. And I agree with everything you said. I, I really want this to be successful. I think uh, I, I think there's zero doubt in my mind that it will be. You look at Cody, who comes from his father and yep. grew up around that and... Anytime I walked into a locker room, Cody always had a wrestling DVD on. Always. Yeah. I mean, he is another one. watch it all the time. Yeah. Lives for wrestling. Loves wrestling. About it. And has found other guys who love wrestling and have learned from so many other people's mistakes. They learn from the good and the bad of WCW and the good and the bad from WWF, WWE, and just everybody, and they could take what they've learned from everybody else's experience and just apply that to this new company. And then you factor in Tony Khan and his father, and it's like, okay. And then you, you look at, they brought in Jericho. Storm, yep. Okay, Jericho, and Jericho is so good at everything he does. It's so knowledgeable and such a great teacher for everybody. And... Man, look at the Young Bucks. Look at everything they've done on their own. Yep. Everything has Unheard been of. on their own. And those guys are brilliant. So it's just so many good guys and girls. And, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and Brandy. And, and Brandy's got such a good head on her shoulders yeah. and loves the business. And, man, I, I worked with her when she first came into WWE. I remember uh, also being in Knoxville. And uh, got the heads up that she was going to be coming in and I was going to be teaching her how to announce. And I knew right when I started working with her, like, okay, she's she's a little bit different than the other girls that I've been working with on this. 
and she's picking up everything very quickly and I don't have to explain anything again and we can move on to the next thing and she uh, she was great that's I kind of look at this too and it's and in with WWE it's not a knock on them even with this but you look at the infrastructure and in the producers and the agents and but um, and they're all getting on the older side all of management there is I look at it is they've all they've been around the business which they have the experience which is great but and I think it's maybe a combination of things but you look at this all elite wrestling and the infrastructure they're putting in place and it's young guys but certain guys that they're very heavily involved in the business and Cody coming from Dusty and understanding the business they have the financial backer they're getting big names coming over but they're more they could be more in tune with today's audience because the audience changes. And I've noticed that's, wrestling that's is changing. Point. And, and wrestling is changing. Whether we like it or not, there's certain elements of wrestling that have changed in the last 10 years even right. and whatnot. And I think if they could find the perfect combination of the athleticism with storylines and giving and allowing talent to rise at the right opportunities and not pulling it away and running with what the yeah. crowd wants... When somebody gets over, run with it. Run with, run with it. that guy. You, and that's all you it's, – it's, that's pro wrestling, and that is what yep. has always worked, and that's what they kind of went away with. And it was, no, 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 we're going to do only the guys we want that aren't going to get as high as the guys that you wanted. And it's just a different mentality, whereas if they run with that and force WWE to start changing, it, it changes the landscape of pro wrestling completely, and it allows – it just creates a better environment. And it's I think it's going to be – we're in for some exciting times. The more I th- sit and think about this – I just, it's, I get excited over pro wrestling again because I think it happens to a lot of guys and you love WWE, you love pro wrestling and you go there and you, you kind of see the reality of the situation. There's a lot of great, like we said, but you, you, you see the reality of the situation in different, different times and whatnot. And it's a really, really tough pill to swallow and some guys never truly recover from that and whatnot, but it is to see it changing before our very eyes. It, it is, man, I'm excited. But I was going to tell you, the uh, when you leave WWE, I always tell people I equate it to Shawshank Redemption, <laughs> that you get out. I feel like, and I don't want to, not to say that it's prison, but the bubble of wrestling, and you, because right. you do, you live in the bubble there. That when you get out, you almost don't know. I didn't know. It's like you don't know what to do necessarily. Even though I had all these things, I know I was, I wanted to do. I was like, you have all this free time all of a sudden, and like <laughs> you're so used to looking over your shoulder and like. Do am I going to get in trouble for saying this? And, and, right. And it, it's just, it doesn't exist anymore, but it's in your brain because it almost gets hardwired into your brain. And there's still, day, even to today, it'll be three years in May that I left. And to this day, I still, you know, and not that that's a bad thing because it can hold you accountable for, you know, and not, not saying certain things and whatnot, but it's just a different feel. It's uh, it, it's definitely different. It, it took some time to just get into a groove and, you know, be at, at peace with a lot of things. And uh, like I, I wrote that book and best when I wrote the, the book, best in the house, when I wrote the book, it was just I thought I had a cool story and I just wanted to tell my story of being a giant wrestling fan and what it was like to like chase that and, and get there and and live out the dream. And um, because it was very honest, you know, some people looked at that as, you know, I was like going after them and it was like, no, 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 this is just, this is what happened. This is, this is my story. A, a lot of things that happened in like 2003 weren't happening in 2012, 2014, but this is just my story. This is what happened. And it's, this is my story. 
like any other story. Was uh, for you because I know when I wrote my book, it was when I when I was with WWE. My last six months, I believe, I started where I just started on my notes section on my phone. I just started writing exactly what I did, and because that for on the road, that was the easiest way to do it on the road, and and just to kind of get going. And I kind of started. I talked to Jericho and asked, you know, about as far as kind of grouping your ideas together, and he just gave. I think we were at a Hooters, like me, him, Miz, and Dolph, and. Um, and I just, I don't know, it just came up and, and he just said, just kind of write down like the topics and kind of sub subtopics and kind of just start organizing and then just start kind of writing on them. And you just kind of start getting into a flow. I was going to ask you what the process was for you. Uh, and cause it is, it's not easy and there's days, there's good days and bad days. And there'd be some days I'd start writing and like, I'd get angry. I was just, I wasn't feeling it. And, but I, I tried to write every day, some days for an hour or two, some days for just 20 minutes, but on the road, it's not easy. That's. I'm not a reader, so it makes it it makes it hard that I don't have the patience to read. Uh, I would be at the gym now. Like when you go to the gym, you put everything into having a good workout. When I go to the gym, I'm going through the motions and I'm I'm trying to get a good workout. But more more times than not, I'm in there thinking. My mind just wanders when I'm on autopilot in the gym, and I'll think of like something funny that happened on the road or some interesting story. And I would make notes of it in my phone in the notes section. And I was like, maybe I should write a book one day. And I kept writing more and more notes. And finally, I had a long flight from Phoenix to Boston where I didn't want to sleep. And usually that's where I got my most sleep was getting on a plane and sleeping. So in order to stay awake, I took up my laptop, didn't look at any of the notes that I made, and just started telling my story from A to B. So... You know, I started and I, I had this vision in my head of this thing that I did in, in junior high and started uh, telling that story. And then, hey, this is my childhood. This is what happened. And that's what I would do. Anytime that I had a flight where I just had some downtime, I would sit there and type the continuation of the story. Once I was done doing that, that's when I went in and started taking the notes that I had already made and figuring out where to place them. And I was still with the company. And I just remember, like, there was a lot of negativity, and sitting next to Jericho on a flight, I go, this is what I've got so far. Do you mind just, like, skimming through it? I go, it's way too negative. I can't put this stuff out there while I work for the company. It's like, well, maybe if you move this around and put a positive spin on it, and and I just kind of let it sit for a while, and... The day that they let me go, uh, the next day I, I already had a trip planned to Hawaii. The trip was already planned before they released me. So it was a perfect time to just sit out there. And it was like sitting on the balcony in my hotel room watching the sunset. I mean, it was the sunset was right there and I'm working on the book. And it was really cool. And, and at that point it was like, okay, cool. I could be honest and hopefully and being honest could tell my story and also Maybe if, if things are in here that go on, maybe they won't go on anymore and it could be a better place for the people who are there now and, and people in the future. No, I I, I love the book and, and that's available. Is that Where is that available at for people, by the way? Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all, uh, all regular bookstores. Highly recommend for any wrestling fan out there. It is an amazing book. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I want to touch on a couple things with you here. on uh, The Nexus debut... I was going to say, you're going to bring up the Nexus attack? I have to ask that from <laughs> your standpoint, because, it, and I look back at this, and for wrestling fans, it, it's considered one of the great moments on TV in, in wrestling. Um, 
I know from our perspective and, and us being brought in the room and have told the story of, of Vince and John Laurinaitis and Michael Hayes and you got one shot if you if you this up you're fired and but uh, not really we had we had no we had a little bit of direction as we were going to cause chaos but it wasn't it wasn't as as we know coming from a scripted environment it was very not scripted a lot of things outside of maybe the stuff with John from your standpoint did you know anything going on that because I don't think I've ever talked to you about this did you know anything we've ever discussed this no did um here's here's how I see it we were in Miami. We were hanging out at ringside during the days. We always would for any rehearsals or anything that would go on. And they had that curtain in the middle around the ring. And they'd bring that curtain out every once in a while when something big was going down. And they didn't want anybody in the building to know about it. Yep. They didn't want it to get out. And they had the curtain out. And they told everybody to clear the arena. And um, started raising the curtain. And that was my cue to just go in the back so i started leaving and i think it was arn who was like no no we're gonna we're gonna need you too and it was you guys and myself and arn i don't even remember this wow i've forgotten this actually is this coming back to you though now that i mentioned no, it or no going because i'm okay. i i don't know why i go to keep please i'm now i'm yeah keep going <laughs> so they raised the curtain everybody else was backstage and i i wasn't part of angles i was just always out there and everything happened around me but i was never involved in anything and when they told me to go back i just figured okay i i need to know something for the announcement and arn goes arn's talking to to you guys and he goes and, and that's where you know you're gonna take down cena and then that's where you're gonna get this guy who you know nobody's ever gotten before and you're gonna uh you're gonna rip off his suit and you're going to whatever, you're going to tear apart the ring. And I was just like, oh, okay. And there was no, there was nothing specific that he gave them. You know, just they were taking my suit off, ripping my suit off. And I don't think he gave you guys anything specific. It was just go out there and cause carnage. Yeah, I think we knew the people that we were to touch that had never been touched before. But, like, nothing was really mapped out. And I don't know if that nope. same night, if Matt Stryker was out there or if that was another yep. night, but I remember just booting Matt Stryker because I came from deep south with him. And I knew I was like, oh, he'll be all right with a big boot. And like just <laughs> it was him and Lawler, right? Yeah, but he sold And the, then Punch and Gallows were out there. Yeah. And, uh, but he sold that. Just, so it's just everybody on every aspect of that whole thing from the production crew. I remember Darren Young, I think, punched a guy and it looked so real. And it was it was it was just a great punch. And Otunga too, I think, threw the first punch at the ref getting in, and it was just like Dave was really really new at the time too with all that, and it was a hell of a punch. Dude, it looks so cool when you guys and I watched that a million times. Just when you guys came out initially, that looks so cool. And wrestling hadn't had anything like that in a long time. And you guys at Tarver with the, the gimmick on his face, it was like that said, this is. I say that all cool. the time. Tarver with that face mask, yeah, because I you hadn't seen him in that yet, and it like for whatever reason, it, I always say that one moment with Michael Tarver, and I, I think it was a group thing too. But for whatever reason, that face mask just gave it a very violent, ill feeling. Where and you had that look in your face. I remember. My mom, who's so sweet and so positive, you guys 
beat me up, but she would refer to you as like when we were talking about the guy with the pretty eyes. Ah. Uh, so it wasn't like, oh, that jerk who beat you up. It was like, oh, the guy with the pretty eyes. That's. I remember you told me that before. That's the one thing. The uh, girls, they always compliment the eyes. I'm very thankful for that. But it, I have to kind of, I would try to be scary. Most people are scary. But you did. Me. I thought you looked scary that I, night. It's weird. But guys, my I, it's very scary. But women find my eyes pretty. It's a very odd mix. <laughs> but I'm glad. It, it works very well for me in a lot of occasions. It's great. Works both ways. The guys are scary to the girls. You have pretty eyes. Uh, Slater and Gabriel grabbed me and and were ripping my jacket off me and um, ripped my shirt off, but the tie didn't come off. It kind of knotted up, so it looked like Party Boy from, uh, (laughs) (laughs) like, shirtless wearing a pink tie. Um, So when they went to punch me, Justin... uh, Put his put his fist back, and I was thinking to myself, like I, I probably learned to take a punch early, early on in my ring announcing when I was training with like Navajo Warrior and Mike Knox, and took a couple bumps. But I'm like, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm hoping for the best. As he pulls up, as he pulls back his fist, and it came at me, and I, I feel like it went well. I didn't feel anything, and I went down, and then I was laying there, and that's when Brian came up. And uh, I talk about this in the book. It's like Brian is so great at what he does. I mean, everything he does, he is phenomenal. And he knows how to make the most out of every situation. So he saw me laying there and, you know, wasn't told to choke me or not to choke me. He just saw me laying there with the tie. And it was a perfect opportunity to get on my back. And, you know, it was, it was, it was, it made for great TV. I thought, you know, you guys were you destroyed. really choking on that too? Because it, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. And at one point, I was like, "Oh, I, I think I'm supposed to like slide my finger in there and you know work it." And as I tried to get my finger, I'm like, "That's not happening." Okay, and it's so real. That it was real. It was it was a real thing. And um, you know, he didn't do it for a minute. He he did it for a few seconds. He got the shot, and then he stopped. And then I went down and was just I sold it. I until I knew for sure we were off the air. Referee came over, and, and I knew we were off the air, and they helped me to the back, and I was just holding my neck. Uh, they walked me all the way to the back. I just I sold it all the way up into the curtain, walked through the curtain, and Vince actually stood up and shook my hand, which never that happened. had never happened before. So, uh, and then we all shook hands. I think you guys were waiting there, and we all kind of shook hands. We got and, a standing ovation going to the back. We didn't realize how rare that was. Like, that doesn't happen all the time either. No, and it's rare. Our first night together, and it's like, that's the whole thing. It it's awesome. surreal, yeah. Everything came off flawlessly. And I remember going into in the TV locker room where I was changing, and you guys all, like, came to the door. You guys, like, came to, I don't know if it was apologize or whatever like hey everything's great we all shook hands and everybody was totally good we're all happy for each other i was happy that you guys we wanted to make money we wanted to make sure nobody we didn't want to get any yeah no it was was awesome (laughs) you guys did a hell of a job i was really happy for you that you really made an impact and as a wrestling fan who used to sit at ringside every monday night and watch that i loved it as a fan like this is going to be hot and um i go back to phoenix the next day and during ECW, I think they showed a highlight, and they didn't show the choke. I was like, oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah. 
And um, nobody was mad at first over anything. Everyone was just everybody was static. totally happy. Yep. Everybody. And I remember Vince and the agents were like, "Are you sure you're okay? Sure you're okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm great. Every, everything's fine." And then the next day it comes out that I think it was on the Thursday. The next day it comes out that um, <clears throat> Brian got fired, and I was like, "Oh, I wonder where they're going with this." First, first thought was that it was a work. Uh, I thought it was a part of the storyline, and it wasn't. And I remember reaching out to Regal. Uh, like, hey, do you have Brian's phone number? And uh, I think I had asked him about it. Like, is this a work? And he said no. And got Brian's number from him and and called him up, left him a message. He called me right back, and we had a conversation. He told me what happened and that they, uh, you know, they had to let him go. And I was just like, what? That that doesn't make Were any there complaints from somebody. Is that what? Do you know? I mean, what... It's my understanding that it was a, a sponsor issue. It had to have been corporate. Yeah. And it fell on Vince and the company, and you know somebody had to take the blame. And he was the only he, guy that. And it it sucked at the time, um, and it it really sucked. Like being in the arenas, and people would like I'd get in the ring, and they'd boo me, and they would chant for Daniel, and you got him fired, and people would yell at me. I was going to ask you that if you took any heat for that. Yeah, time. I took a lot of heat, and. I would like try to explain to people, like, no, I really like that guy. I've always with anything with the situ- you're the right. one that made that situation so awesome too with him. But it wasn't that wasn't you're not the one that had him fired. Oh, it wasn't on me. But no. you try explaining that to angry fans. You know, angry fans get hear one thing or get caught on one thing, and that's it. That becomes the truth. There's no reasoning. <laughs> no, and ten times out of ten, it turns out that that's not the truth. But it's what gets out and. Yep. Um, what blew up? So I would get that a lot. I would I would get booed a lot. I would get like hate mail, um, and it would just be crazy because I really like Brian. So the, insane. <laughs> what I was getting at was the best part about it was he got to go out and do indies, and he doesn't care if he's in front of fifty thousand people or fifty people. He just wants to be out there having good wrestling matches. So he got to go out there for like two months and do all these indie shots where he was the top guy. He could sell whatever merch. He could like he did awesome. Didn't and they then, have shirts with you choking you with the tie? Wasn't that yes? The, there's one on uh, <laughs> uh, PWTs in my store. Um, um, uh. But it's it's like he had an awesome run over the summer. The the heat boiled down. He was able to go back to the company. Comes back to the company in the main event of SummerSlam yeah. with Bret Hart. You know it it worked out really well. And then since then. I mean, there was that roller coaster he went on where the crowd was behind him, but the office wasn't. And man, that just shows you how great he is that the crowd never left his side. And he was so over that it, it worked out. And yep. you can't keep a, a great talent down sometimes. He's one of the best things going in wrestling right now. His uh, heel work. It, it is, I, am, I just caught it. It's worth everything. So enter- he's. His personality now, him heel Daniel Bryan is probably my favorite wrestling character right now. I love it because Dude, elements of realness. Tours on the buses. The what? The overseas tours on the buses. What about it? Were you on Bryan's bus? Uh, it, I feel like we were on different buses. I'm sure at one point early on we were, but I feel like we were always on opposite sides after a while. I- I always liked him, and I liked his personality in the ring and in matches. But on the buses, that's where I got to like see his funny side and yeah. see how funny he was. Yep. He would always have Glenn sit behind him. Oh, that was yeah. always Glenn's seat. Yep. The seat behind him was always Glenn's seat. 
Glenn, that was, I always, he, because Dan, I think, understands I'm being on the road and how how tedious that can become and being away from home that you got to keep yourself entertained. And yep. he is he is great. And he, this is from him. He knows how to keep himself entertained and he will bring other people into it. And even if it means kind of jokingly making fun of other people. And shit stirring. He's, he's, he's probably the biggest shit disturber in wrestling, <laughs> but he's so nice. Yeah. It's, it's like this. He gets it's a weird combination. And he's, and he's not a huge guy. So it's not as threatening for some reason when he does it. Like, whereas if it's like, if I was walking around or if, if somebody much larger like Big Show, it would be very bullish. But with Daniel Bryan, he escapes that somehow. And yeah. it just creates, but he, it's, he makes, he lightens up any room that he's in, I think is. Is a is a fair thing to say. Agreed. And the stuff that he was doing with Glenn when when they were team Hell No, yeah. and it was just such a random pairing, and it, it, it didn't make have any worked, sense. And it did. It was so, dude. Every night, and you were there for this. Every night, the shenanigans with him and Kane at the end of the match. I used to video it on my cell phone. I have a bunch of those videos. It never got old. Never. Doc and I would sit at ringside and just. Like play along every night and just wait for them to do whatever they were gonna do. It was always funny. Do you remember we were in Russia and I think they for Glenn's birthday Daniel gave a banana. Was it a banana? A banana and the hat. And, and the then Cena gave him the hat. So we had the two. I told that story in my book. Yeah, you did. It was so good. <laughs> so ra- he he came up to me that night and he's like, I have this bat for Glenn's celebration. You have to keep this at ringside and give it to me when we come out for, for this birthday celebration. I'm like, okay. And knowing how funny he is, I'm like, I can't wait to see what he has lined up because this is going to be funny. And when it happened, there was no out for it. There was no punchline. It was just, we're going to have Glenn stand there and hold a banana and wear a Russian hat. And then the plan was to leave. Yeah. It was just to leave him standing there. And there was no out. For Kane, the big the... red machine, to stand there with a Russian hat and a banana <laughs> with no out. And so they went to the back. And we're all just like, what, what's happening? Where's this, where this going? Where's the payoff? And I think they got to the back and someone, I don't know if it was Cena or somebody else, was like, you, you got to go back out there. You can't just leave him. And Glenn's standing there with his arm out with a banana with the Russian hats. Not sure if it's Wait. over or not, yeah. <laughs> and so finally they came back out and, and put closure to but there was no plan for it. That was it. He had this vision of Glenn with a banana in the Russian hat and that's that- all he wanted. He just wanted that image of Glenn in the Russian hat with a banana and he got uh, what he wanted and he didn't give Glenn an out until the it was I remember the awkwardness and being in Russia and everyone like just <laughs> In Moscow. It was yeah. what a what a great and, memory. And when people ask, like, what's it like on the road? That's what it's like on the road. Yeah, that's, you go out there and you put on a show, yeah. but it's just so much random stuff with events. so many random characters. We all have our quirks. Yeah. Everybody's got quirks. All of us are weird. Yeah. We weird. all do weird things, have weird traits, uh, and that's what makes it fun. Everybody just goes out there, and at the same time, while we're having fun, while you guys are entertaining the audience and putting smiles on faces, that is a real thing. You guys are also real-life superheroes and constantly meeting kids and meeting adults who are, you know, going through things and uh, just making people forget about what's going on and really just you're having fun, you're entertaining, and you guys are superheroes making differences in people's lives. So 
Find me something better than that, and I'll become a fan. But that's why I think there is nothing better than pro wrestling. Agreed 100%. And uh, before I, I wrap up, and I always ask one question with every guest on here, but before I get to that, quickly touch on, if you remember this, because I talked about it on Jericho's podcast, the in Brooklyn, the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger. Ooh. Arnold Schwarzenegger. I never talked it. about this. And I was like, I before, right before I, I called you, I go, this, but I heard you talk about it on Jericho's show. Yeah. So for me, Arnold is the one I'm. I have a picture in my house. I, I've never asked anybody for a picture and autograph my entire life. I'm never. I'm not like. I just don't. I I understand the people like people like that. That's what like people. And I always just I like remembering things mentally usually, and I'm not like. I'm just different. I'm weird. My dad got me an autograph when I was a kid from Mr. Miyagi from Karate Kid, and awesome. I ripped it up in his face. He, he what? Yeah, I I go. This doesn't mean anything. It's a, it's Did a, he sign Mr. Miyagi oh, and not Pat Morita or something? He signed, yeah, he signed. No, it was he signed it as Mr. Miyagi, and I loved the Karate Kid movie. But something <laughs> as a kid, Justin, I thought it was so stupid. I just ripped it up right in front of my dad, and I go, "This means nothing." I go, "It's just a writing on a." piece a napkin i go it doesn't mean anything and he i got i don't know if he, i i, I want to say i got the belt that night because i remember crying pretty bad uh but i was very young but i've so but arnold's the one guy for for many years and i've kind of evolved past it, but there's a lot of elements of arnold i i admire and like but i've never really looked up to anybody i'm not like i i just don't there's there's not that many people but i i like elements of arnold but it was the one I'll never forget it. He's in Brooklyn. He's the guest host. So he's the one guy where I was kind of, there was a little bit of excitement, excitement in this, in this body for once. And I was like, I can't, you know, if, if Arnold's here and I, if it happens naturally, it happens naturally. I'm not going to go searching. People were going to him and getting photos throughout the day and whatnot. But so I'm there, I'm in gear. I just got taped up. I'm already pumped up. I'm feeling good. I couldn't have been a more perfect situation. I come around the corner out of the trainer's room and I see an entourage of people and Arnold and he just happens to look me up and down and stops and he, we start talking and start having a conversation and I don't even remember what it was but it was it was happening and I was it was like I don't know if I didn't know if I had my phone if I I don't know if I would have asked for a picture I don't even know but I just know we were having a conversation, and out of nowhere, this is all I remember, is Justin Roberts swoops in, Arnold Schwarzenegger, can I get a picture? And you got a picture with him, I believe. And then his entourage rushed him away into his room. And I remember just standing there thinking, what the f*** just happened? Like, where did my conversation go with Arnold? We didn't get to, there was so much I thought we were going to talk about that naturally that wasn't planned, and it was over. And then I remember the rest of the night, I was just like, I don't want to say I was bummed out, but I was, I go, man, what a missed opportunity. What, what was he going to compliment my physique? What, what, I don't know. <laughs> to this day, I'll never know unless I meet him in some other, but do you have any recollection of that at all? Did you even see me? <laughs> <laughs> you can't see me. Uh, so 100%, I remember the situation. I didn't know it from your perspective. Yeah. And before I say anything, I will apologize. Uh, now, no, 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 no. Of course, I apologize for that because that's awful. That is awful. I had been waiting all day to try to meet him. Not the same way that you did because 
I get it. You you have that special admiration for Arnold yeah. because you're into a lot of the same thing. I totally get that. For me, it was just that's really cool. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. You're big now, on though with photos. You like you have like with celebrities and things, right? Like getting you like getting like photos of stuff with dude, people though, right? I I am, and it, it's really funny because Timmy Baltimore just brought. Do you know Timmy? I do. I've known Tim from Louisville, awesome. Kentucky. Timmy Baltimore just brought this to my attention a couple of weeks ago. It's something I've never thought about. He goes, I'm reading your book, and you're just like Tom Hanks in Big. You're a kid who's going through this adventure. You're working on the road, but you could still tell that the kid is still inside you, and you're just like in the body of an adult, but you're a kid going through this. And when I think about everybody that I was on the road with and – working with Bret Hart and Hulk Hogan and uh, just all of these guys from my childhood. And when guys became our bosses, you know, like when the agents were Mike Rotunda and yep. Ted DiBiase. IRS putting together your matches. and Dude, to anybody else, it's like, hey, Mike and, and hey, Ted. I would refer to them when we'd go through the shows. I'd be like, Irwin, I'd call him IRS, and I'd call him Million Dollar I Man. Know them, yeah. I'd call everybody by the wrestling name. Because it was still like I was the kid, and the kid in me is talking to these guys that I grew up idolizing, and they're my bosses now. But I'm not going to start calling them by their shoot names. No way. So I've always just – and I feel like it's similar to like a Jimmy Fallon type who is professional and does this really cool show and uh, has these really cool guests. But he's still like such a super fan while he's trying to be professional, but he's a fan, and it comes through, and – I'm a fan, and so when we had the guest hosts, not only am I a fan of all the wrestling, uh, the wrestling guests we had, but um, we start bringing these guest hosts who the wrestling audience probably wasn't really into. But Florence Henderson from yeah. the Pretty Bunch, seriously, Betty White. Yeah, I mean, all these guests were so cool. Somebody who grew up watching all '80s, '90s yeah. stuff. Yep. So. I would just I would take pictures and tweet it out and be like, we're going live with Raw in 10 minutes yep. with guest host, whatever. And I would always show. put it out there. And it was cool because it was it was half business, half, oh, cool, this is an excuse. Yep. I did that with Dana Carvey, who I idolize on Saturday Night Live. I met him, and he was really cool, and we took a picture. And I was like, hey, uh, I, I tweet out a video before we go live. Would you mind being a part of this video? And by having an excuse to do this video with Dana Carvey, I got him to do George Bush, not gonna do it, which was he <laughs> and church lady. My third grade teachers still know how obsessed I was with the church lady. Now I'm doing church lady with Dana Carvey, the real church lady, in a video that I'm, I'm using as an excuse, like tweeting it out before Raw. Yeah. So we get to... Uh, Brooklyn that night, and I remember like it was yesterday, I, I kept like trying... Oh, oh me too. I, I apologize again. Uh, I kept trying to, you know, get a, an opportunity to meet him and, and take a picture, and it didn't happen. And it's it's getting down to there was always was there was always as soon as I hear the disclaimer playing, that's when I have to run out in the dark and be out there. You're out there, and you're out there at night too. I would miss my opportunity if I didn't get out. If I didn't get out there, that that was it for the whole night. Yep. And that happened with the, the whole Betty White story, too. It was like it was coming down to the last literally minute. And so I walk in the hallway, and I see him just standing around. There's a big crowd. I didn't remember him talking to you because I wouldn't just interrupt something. Uh, I, I maybe didn't realize 
because Arnold is Arnold, and I just didn't see you next to Arnold. I don't know. I feel but like Arnold, it, I feel like it was laser vision, and only Arnold existed right there. We, I was definitely there. It was okay. You know, I walked was, in through yeah. the hallway, and I just saw him standing there, and you know this giant figure, uh, another big guy, so to speak. Um, I just went up and I was like, hi, I'm the ring announcer. Would you mind if I, I took a picture with you? And he's like, sure. And he, he turns and I just took the picture. I'm like, thank you. And then as I turned to my left, I remember Vicky and Brock. And I don't know if anybody else. I remember Vicky and Brock for sure. Like, oh, you Mark and <laughs> Brock just like laughing at me and calling me a Mark. Uh, <laughs> And I didn't care. Yeah. And then I looked at the picture and I was like, oh no. In the background, you see like all the backstage signs. Yeah. And I was very good about like what I put out there. I didn't put stuff that like I didn't think the company would want out. So I was like trying to figure out how to blur it without messing up the picture. And yeah. I didn't have apps for that back then. And anyway, that's, uh, that's what I remember. I remember getting that picture and just running out to ringside and starting the show. And I don't think I knew about that until. I think you brought it up in a different interview. I might and then have, yeah. The whole story Jericho in the Jericho interview. Yeah. And I think at one point I photoshopped you in the picture. Did I ever send it to you? I don't know I... if you did or not. I would love to have that and put that out. Just I... me angry in the background or with a frown on my face. Let me see if I have it in, like if I use the facial recognition uh, thing in the iPhone photo album. Um I don't know if there was like a group chat maybe and somebody put something in there about you being upset about it. And then here's Skip. Let's see what comes up. Show more. It didn't come up. I'll find it. Yeah, send what it year? to me sometime if you find it. I would love to. The what? The year. I'll go. When we're done doing yeah. this, I'll the date that I Schwartz would say it, it was oh. had to. I, it was. Either 2014 or 15 for sure. I'll find the exact date, find it in my phone with the date, and then uh, I'll probably see the edit. But I didn't, I didn't know about that until later on. So yeah, no, it wasn't. It, I, I, I don't want. It was never like angry over. You can't. You don't get. Angry, I still felt bad. I understand. Hilarious when you look back. That at was it. moment, and I messed that up. And well, I, we both I, got to meet him in the positive of the situation. And I don't get pictures or anything, anyways. So I got to meet him at least. So I guess you it, haven't met him since then. No, we actually do have a photo. Uh, I take that same, what was it, not that, when he did uh, the WrestleMania thing, he did when our, uh, Triple H did the, the Terminator deal. Yes. Uh, Arnold did the voiceovers, and it was Hall of Fame. Uh, me and Ziggler were wasted before we went from a signing back to the hotel. They let us go back to the hotel to go get our uh, suits or go get changed or whatever. And But me and Zigman, they had a car take us. We had the car wait outside. We tipped him just to wait. We went to the bar and just drank for a while at the thing and then went back to the Hall of Fame. At the Hall of Fame, had to get up to go to the bathroom or we got the Iggy that Arnold was in the back from somebody because <laughs> Dolph, everyone was in, me and Dolph wanted a photo with him. So we went back and then Zach and his dad was was back there too. And we all got a group photo with him actually. I forgot all about So it. you did get a picture. Yeah, yeah, I take it back. Hearing, we I, did I think it. that was on Jericho's podcast. I was happy. <laughs> Yeah, so there was closure. Yeah, but it was Zach and his dad got the spots right by Arnold because it was supposed to be me and Dolph going back for the photo to with Arnold, and I was like, it was it was good. It was uh, I forgot all about that. So there was a happy ending to the moment 
after all for for both parties. So, all right, good. Although Zach and his dad got the the prime spots they that you prime, think yeah to get. real estate, so that that will forever hold. Yeah, that figure itch and the Arnold itch. <laughs> With that, Justin, I do want to, before I ask you the one thing I always ask everyone, where can people find you um, on social media? My address? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure they do. <laughs> <laughs> I am on uh, Twitter and Instagram, at Justin Roberts. Facebook is The Justin Roberts. I think that's it, right? Good deal. That's the main one. Instagram's the popular one now. and uh, Yeah, I post a lot of random stuff. And anything that I do, I, I like to take people along on the adventure. So if I feel like I'm doing something cool that other people would be into, I, I try to post pictures and videos of it and let people come along on the ride. Good deal. And Justin, for one piece of, of advice, life advice, just something that you've learned that's helped you in life, if you can, I always ask everyone we have on, for the listeners out there, if you can just give one piece of advice on anything you want, what would that be? Well, I always tell people to follow their dreams, and I say that a lot, but it's really true. If there's something that you really want to do, you only live once, you know, you got to make the most of it, you got to be happy. If there's something you want to do, even if it seems totally impossible, like we talked about earlier, there were no openings to be a WWE ring announcer ever. I never saw any sort of opening. And that's all that I wanted to do. And I did it because I wanted it. So I highly recommend anybody who wants to do anything, even if it seems impossible, if you could think about it, you could do it. You could make it happen. So follow your dreams because anything truly is possible. And be nice to people and yes. uh, help as many people as you can along the way because that uh, feels great, better than, you know, even getting your goal. <laughs> yeah, no, great, great advice on that. And I agree 100% with everything that you said. And Justin, thank you very much for coming on the show. And thank you, big guy. Good to be here. And uh, guys, we're going to be right back after these messages. It's the big guy Ryback with Feed Me More Nutrition. And I just wanted to say thank you guys for another great year. We started the brand with three supplements and we're now getting ready to release our seventh supplement, our 10 count creatine. We just released our GTS go to sleep high powered sleep aid. So if you have a difficult time falling asleep or staying asleep, check out our all natural GTS sleep aid available on feedmemore.com and Amazon. Speaking of feedmemore.com, we have all new domestic shipping rates. No shipping over $9.99 domestically anymore with rates as low as $4.99. We want to be more competitive, and as a thank you guys for being loyal customers, offer you the best shipping rates we possibly can. So if you guys haven't checked out Feed Me More Nutrition, now's your chance. We are a premium all-natural supplement company that gives you safe, natural formulas that get results. FeedMeMore.com and Amazon. Get hungry. Stay hungry. Feed. Me. More. We are back. And I'm joined by Ryan Satin for the Wrestling Report. What's going on, man? The Big Guys Wrestling Report with Ryan Satin. Brought to you by Pro Wrestling Sheet. Not much, dude. Just uh, getting ready for the Super Bowl, as we were discussing right before we started recording. But, I mean, this week, uh, it's crazy, man. The second this AEW got announced, it's just like, so many things have started to happen, like so much movement happening. And I know that there's already been, you know, other big companies that exist, but for some reason this has sparked this like this this uh this new mood in everyone because um now more 
wrestler are getting yeah, very very much so. And now more people are starting to leave WWE. So um, this week news broke that Am- Dean Ambrose uh, was offered a new contract, yep. and which would come with a raise uh, a few weeks ago. And they've been trying to get him to sign this new deal. Uh, apparently, it was a five-year offer. Um, but uh, Dean basically finally told them this weekend that he's not re-signing. He told Vince yeah. McMahon he's not re-signing. Um, he's in, expected. Well, he's so he's expected to finish with the company after WrestleMania. But as you know, that could always change. Yeah. If, you know, plans. You know, if they don't want to factor him into plans on the way out. Um, and PW Torch reported that Dean has long been frustrated with the creative direction of his character and finally reached a breaking point. Um, the thing that I find most interesting about this story, and, and you work there so you know this, is, you know, on matters like this, WWE usually doesn't comment on it. You know, they, they usually will, especially at a time like this where there's, they're, they want everyone to stay, clearly. Like, they're not trying to advertise the fact that there is unhappiness uh, for, amongst certain wrestlers uh, on the creative direction of their character. But then WWE put out a statement confirming w- what's going on with Dean Ambrose. Uh, they said Dean Ambrose, Jonathan Good, will not be renewing his contract with WWE when it expires in April. In April. We are grateful and appreciative of all that Dean has given to WWE and our fans. We wish him well and hope that one day Dean will return to WWE. Now, do you find that interesting that WWE put a statement out about it? Yeah, but I think there. Is, so I think he's he's one of the guys with the with the other Shield members with Roman and Seth that they they invested a lot into right from the very get go. And so, and I guess and other wrestlers too will look at it. If everything this is all true, this isn't anything's not you know if this isn't a storyline or whatever, um, other wrestlers will look at it like, you know, well, what does he have to complain about or his character or this and that. you got to put yourself in his shoes and how they're used. Everybody, it was like CM Punk when Punk left. There were other wrestlers that were like, this guy was making this much money, and they don't know the other, the intricacies of everything going on, of opportunities missed, and that other stars in that position were offered. And, you know, there's things, it, you got to just kind of try to put yourself in that person's shoes. But I think it... It's interesting that they chose to bring that up because they, they just they haven't they haven't done it before. But I think they may Ever. they may just be looking at it as a situation where, you know, we, we they really like Dean. He's 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 a workhorse for them in, in until his tricep injury and everything. They may be just trying to stay in good graces, hoping maybe the contract could be worked out still if there is time, and whatnot. But as we saw on TV, I knew the moment I caught I watched Raw last week parts of it. And saw that the match was Seth, and the moment I saw that there was just a clean finish, and then the flop that Dean did, how he kind of yeah, I knew right then. I go, that's interesting. And uh, then with the Nia thing coming out, and it's uh, they will they would like they will start doing things to kind of test you to see how much how far you'll go with it. Like it started that my position when I chose that I was going to leave or when contract negotiations were starting to kind of not seeing eye to eye, things started changing on TV for me my last couple months and, and whatnot. And so it will be very interesting to see with Dean, if he does write out his contract, if they leave him on TV with him, if they, they, how they have approached this, if they're going to embarrass him on his way out, 
because this is what they do. They, I mean, they, they, it's not. They got a history of it. They, 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 history from the beginning. Like it's, yeah. which is why I left. I avoided that altogether because it was starting the week I left. Like I, you just, so it'd be very interesting to see with a guy they've invested that much into who they, all this, I, my personal opinion is when you're up there on the road and you're going full time like that. And I think the tricep injury, and I talked about this, uh, I think it was somebody else that it kind of maybe woke him up a little bit that there's life and you get outside of that bubble of WWE. Um, and that could have kind of woken him up a little bit and just where he just wants, he might just need time away. But see, they're really bad with that where they want you to resign. They don't like you if you go look, because I, I, I tried that. I wanted my contract to run out and they threatened me and said they would, they would um, job me out, pull me off a of TV, then fire me. So wow, that and that was from Mark Carano, and I honestly, and, and my, and I did, but I had dealt with Vince and Hunter on so many other occasions. I chose just right then because that is a company directive, as far as I'm concerned. He doesn't say anything like that unless that's kind of the directive, and he might have just been trying to smarten me up. And I knew how things worked already, but it was like that changed my entire mood and tone on all that. And I think Dean, I don't know if they want to. They want to do that with a guy like that who they, he might just need some time away. It might just be six months. He might just want to, maybe he wants to go do a year in AEW, see how, if it, if it is worth it. If it, you know what I mean? It's so they. Absolutely. I, I think, well, yeah, that, that was you and I talking about that last yeah. week about getting outside the bubble and kind of like your mind being like, hey, wait a second. Maybe all these things they say are the end all be all aren't as important as I think they are. And I can kind of step away and, and, and go get some time to myself. We were actually, <clears throat> on my podcast this week, we were talking about this exact thing. We were like, who knows? Maybe he's not even planning to go to AEW. Oh, he, Maybe he just wants some time away. I mean, similar to you, yeah. you know, you, you know, where you realized that your body was more run down than you thought it was. Yep. Um, he could be in a very similar situation where he had, yeah, he got cleared from that tricep or whatever, but like, who knows what other things that he's maybe been nagging or dealing yeah. with and finally realized was he needs to handle, like, needs to get time away, like, you know, those are, those are important things that people forget, you know, even, you know, he got married on the road and continued on, you know, so it's like, th there are things that maybe he realized were important that he wanted to kind of experience, and, and, th and that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, you have no life when you're up there, that's what, I think, yeah. you, your life is only wrestling, but it's, it's, I try to explain this to wrestling fans and people the the moment like live events we live for the live events because it's not televised the pressure it's not the stress isn't it's just you to go out there and love have wrestling love wrestling have fun the interaction TVs are very stressful but living on the road is very stressful uh, that was one of my things like why if I I want a bus if I ever go back because that's and there's other guys that are getting buses that are gonna I think more guys are gonna I think every wrestler should eventually have a bus because living in ho driving in rental cars every day and living in hotel rooms. If it's one thing, if you go on a vacation and you're in a hotel room, just imagine living your life alone in hotel rooms. It's it doesn't matter. I couldn't how, do that. It, I, I tell I'll tell you, man. It drives you crazy after a while because it, I can imagine you're literally you turn in. I tell this with everyone that you turn into a walking zombie. It happens to everybody there. There'd be days you come off the road after doing a four or five day loop. This would happen all the time. You see fans at the airport when you get home. They're like, "Oh, where'd you go? Where were you?" You. And literally, it's blank. You can't think. We I've had a discussion with other wrestlers. I go, does this happen to you guys? 
They go, yeah, all the time. It's one of, your brain just shuts off. Like every city becomes the same. Every airport becomes the same. Every car becomes the same. Every hotel becomes the same. And it's like you're living in this because that's all you're doing. There's no, and that goes back to their heavy schedule. You have no time for anything else. And it just, you see, and you've seen it with everybody, All anybody who gets into WWE, for the most part, there's always exceptions to the rule, loves professional wrestling. And they've loved it since they were kids, usually. That's yep. the majority of the people outside of the football players they were hiring for a little while or whatnot. They love wrestling. So, and you see so many of them leave there and they don't have that same love for wrestling necessarily. It's not the wrestling they don't love. It was just a combination of everything. And I think it's sometimes, like I said, with the injury, he just maybe just needs a little time away. And it's very frustrating. And we've said this, and I've heard it said on other things, WWE has done a good job at making sure WWE is the big star now. And everybody else is kind of just replaceable and whatnot. And it just, the creative process can be very frustrating. Because I said, it was like I talked to you last week. If the mind the mindset's not how can we make everybody the biggest star possible, it's the other way, and it's a very real thing. So that, and you hear guys when I was there, guys all the time would say, "This is just a paycheck. This is just a paycheck." Guys, I, and I would never say the names of them that love professional wrestling as much as anybody who who live, breathe, sleep, and will die professional wrestling. It's just a paycheck. It's just a paycheck because it, you just shut off your emotions because. And you heard it with like Cody and guys that you pitch ideas. I learned that really quickly in pitching ideas and you'll see them give it to somebody else and, and like nothing because they don't want to do anything with you. Has that happened to you before where you pitched something and then it was given to someone else? No, not that I, not, not like I've heard of other okay. guys doing that. And like, Damn, that sucks. yeah, that and, and they'll wait a little bit and then they'll give it to another guy and whatnot. And it's, oh. just, it, it has happened. Not to say it happens all the time, but it's just, yeah. Imagine though you take time and effort to try to come up with something to help make the company money and you money, and then it's just like no, 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 and then they don't do anything with you. And there's and they go, well, we have nothing creatively for you. Well, we're giving you all these ideas, and it's it's a lot harder now to be a professional wrestler because for them, because you don't have as much input on on what you're saying. And, and Dean, we're all very creative people for the most part. Uh, the the guys that get into this and not I shouldn't say everybody but like Dean Dean is a creative guy, so it's when that is limited and you don't really have a lot of say in it it wears on you and in like it, well, yeah well I was gonna say this I, 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 while we're on that same subject like Hideo Tommy also requested his release uh, recently uh, now apparently uh, you know according to reports it has been. Um, you know, they, they, they have granted him his release, but, uh, you know, WWE hasn't commented on the situation yet, like they did with Dean Ambrose. Um, but I feel like, you know, he's another example of that where Hideo Tommy, formerly Kenta, yep. um, was a big name on the independent scene in Japan. Like he's someone that was, uh, that a lot of wrestlers looked at, like looked upon, you know, they were like, man, Kenta's the man, you know I mean? CM Punk took the go to sleep, you know, yep. Daniel Bryan did the knee and like, he was like uh, um, an iconic guy to a lot of wrestlers, and then when he got into the WWE system and really had less control over over like how his character was portrayed, uh, I mean, it, it, he, he's one of the you know one of the most biggest bummers of the NXT system because he came in with Finn Balor and and Sam you know Finn Balor and Kevin Owens and, and he was part of that kind of crew and you know um, it's 
it's it's a bummer because he did get so many pushes along the way, but just like injuries yeah, and a lot of bad mainly things. injuries, just bad timing and injuries really plagued him the most. It sucks. If it, yeah, and that's another thing with them too. If if the guy starts getting injury prone, or they, he seems like he might be injury prone, and, and, and not to say that he's injury prone, but he, wrestling for the career that he had already and got there, it might have just been too late. And timing wise, and it just didn't work out. It did, it doesn't happen for everybody. And you see other guys come in, and they just come right in, and they just go right up. And a guy like that had a lot of hype, and it just didn't it didn't didn't pan out that way. And you know, I think it's a good thing. I think it takes courage, like I said, to step away and get away. And now with other options, and he'll have other options. And oh yeah, and, you know, and maybe he won't have another injury, and everything will pan out. And, and maybe he does it. He's in two or three years, he's able to come back and actually have a run. You know, it, it, it's it's not impossible. So I think it's good. To, you got to get out of it though when you kind of fall in that rut that he's been in, where it's 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 better just to get away than than to just linger around. He doesn't seem like someone to me who will come back anytime soon. Just yeah. in my opinion, only because he's like that. He likes that hard hitting style. Like that's his thing. You know, I mean, like he wants to like strong style status. You know, like he wants to be like in there and I feel like that's another reason why he never really was able to to move up in the WWE system I feel like you know you know I feel like kind of like you said a lot of guys are there for the paycheck so I feel like you know it's not they're not trying to put on six star matches every time yeah. you know like they're, they're trying to entertain you but I feel like someone like him it's got to be hard to kind of like it, it seemed like it was always hard for him to transition into like a lighter style yeah. of, of wrestling well, that too, with a lot, people got to realize, like the majority of wrestlers there, and they won't say everybody, but the majority are all capable of wrestling long wrestling matches and having great wrestling matches. And like, it's I always use, I, Heath Slater always is my guy that I bring up. And, uh, but Johnny Curtis, Fandango is another one. Like, these guys they, in developmental in, in Florida Championship Wrestling would like have these be allowed, they were the main events on many nights and go out there and kill it near falls and just, it was, and then they get to WWE and they're used in a different capacity. And then it's, 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 it's weird to see, but a guy like that with Kenta, like he, he's, he's a guy that he probably, he would like to have at least 15, 20 minutes every match at least. And, and yeah. where then if, if that's not the case and then you have to adjust your style, it, it's an entirely different ball game in WWE altogether. And you're working, you know, with the, with an elite group of individuals and you gotta, there's a lot of egos. It's, it's an entirely different ball game compared to a lot of other wrestling and whatnot. And it just might not have been a good fit. And that's okay. Not everybody, not everyone. It, it sucks because of everything, his situation. But I, I think he'll find an opportunity somewhere else if he can stay healthy. That would frustrate me as a professional wrestler. Like if I was in WWE, the, the mentality that everyone feels like every match is supposed to be like a five-star match. Because I feel like a lot of people don't understand that like that's not what's being asked of the wrestler at that point in time. Like yeah. there's a time and place for that kind of thing. And like a five-minute segment on TV isn't going to be that. There's a different purpose to that five-minute segment yeah. than there is a 30-minute wrestling match on pay-per-view, you know? And so uh, I, that always bothered me. I, I mean, someone would be like, Oh, they suck. And I'm like, dude, they were given three minutes yeah. on TV. Like, how can you tell they suck from that? That would drive me crazy. I'll tell you a true story, Ryan, again on this. Me and Rusev, this was uh, on our program. We had, it, it was a real program. He's one of my, my good friends. 
And uh, it was the, the storyline, he was the heel, I'm the baby face. And the storyline revo- re- revolved around me like hurting Lana accidentally, but like in him being angry at me for hurting her. But like, he's not, there's nothing, the, the angle was what it was. It was like, I am coming off kind of like, kind of bullyish doing it, I feel like. He's coming off as, as the honest husband trying to defend his wife. So it's, but I'm the baby face. It's, so it's just a weird angle to begin with. We have, we have these, we do live events and we would routinely, it was 20, 25 minute live event matches, killing it. Feedback, everyone coming back from the top, like every crowd going by. Great. We get to the pay-per-view and we have like six or seven minutes for the match on it. It, I, it was one of those gimmick TLC pay-per-views or something. So every match is a, a barn burner of all the, and we, they literally told us we couldn't do all these different things. We had to just go out there and do a straight <laughs> match and he beats me and it was whatever it was it was like six or seven minutes i got so much hate on twitter after that that i that <laughs> i we did everything to a t that match there was there was no no botches no mess ups nothing it was exactly what they wanted for that and i never i had hundreds of tweets how horrible i was and I was just like, but they, they just, people don't sometimes understand that you're just, yeah. Weird. It was like, no, I, I look, all these people on live events got 20, 25 minute matches. I'm, they told us to go out there. If we don't go out there and do our times, like we won't have a job guys. Like it's, so <laughs> yeah, they just that, don't understand. That always drives me crazy. Yeah. That, 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 that one always drives me crazy. Like I will my co-host on my, on the recaps, he always kind of be like, He'll harp on people, and I'm like, "Hey, man, that's not the job they had to do in that yeah. match, you know." Uh, you so, can't yeah, like, I, I'm like, "No, Vince, I want 25 minutes tonight." Well, no, we only have <laughs> time for three minutes, right? But no, I want 25. Like, it's, it doesn't. Okay, Ryback, good point. You'll get here's your 25 minutes. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and then he'd give me a microphone and have no promo and just go out there for 25 minutes and like they 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 always win regardless. Like, so it's. I wish fans some, and a lot of fans do understand. There's just some that kind of. You can't have every match be 30 minutes. You can't have every match be 15, 20. You got to have variety in there, especially with a TV program and everyone has ADD. So, but the <laughs> AEW, I do think they, they have a lot of buzz. They are, they, and I think too, a lot of people, because the, they have a lot of money and I think that helps. It helps. And I think signing Jericho is a, is a kind of a, a state making a statement that, and just how you, just the news that you see coming out, I think they're just, they're doing everything right and, because they haven't done it, anything yet, but they have all this hype and it just feels different than anything else. Are you going to be at their party in Vegas next week? Oh, I'm not going anywhere. No, I got a, when is that? That's uh Thursday. No, I have my, my shoulder thing on Friday with my doctor and then my stem cells on the okay. 11th. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I haven't worked out in three weeks with weights. I'm not going anywhere. Out in public, <laughs> show up in a suit there. Nobody even recognizes me. Just even though I'm still 280 pounds, but nobody just see. Yeah, I'm sure they would still recognize. Yeah, <laughs> with, uh, with my Mark for Life wig and hat and sunglasses on, just sitting there watching. The uh, <laughs> man, no, uh, it, it's I'm excited for all of them, but I think there is a different feel. I think it, with people, I knew back Ryan too in WWE. The guys, they were, and I'm not, no names, but a group of guys had signed contracts before I'd signed mine. And they signed for an amount that was not nearly as impressive as what you would have thought it would have been. 
And I remember a lot of them were like, this was my last good soldier contract of like just going along with the flow. And what's happening, I think it's all those are coming up now. So it will be very interesting to see what other ones, because uh, if they haven't signed new ones, and I don't know if they, they re-signed them along the way and whatnot at different points. But if, if, you got, if guys have an option to go somewhere else and make similar money, I, you'll see this happening a lot more. Unless things change. I think so, too. Yep. So. I also think that, you know, those, some of those guys you might be referring to, there was a report this week that at SmackDown, a bunch of the people got, a bunch of those types who uh, are on the fringe or near or anything like that were kind of all hurtled into different meetings being like, hey, we want to resign you now for like five-year deal. Yep. That is... The, so, <laughs> and they, they'd... That's a good thing. Like, this is like... this Great. Is, Great time to be a wrestling fan. It's an even better time. Our generation of guys like me, Ziggler, like, and all the guys that came, I, like, we got the shit end of the stick. There was no competition, essentially. Yep. Everybody, and it just like, it was like, it's, like, it's going to be crazy if we look back and like our generation and the period, like, was that the down period in wrestling because there was no competition? Like where we were just like, underappreciated everybody and because we had no we just had to do what we were told and guys couldn't stand up for themselves because there was nowhere else to go and then we see this movement of guys start leaving and it's like this and now all of a sudden it's like it's just a really cool time man yeah honestly i as a child you know i was like a you know i was a a kid during the attitude era you know and i loved that dude like the attitude is what got me into wrestling so you know i still love wrestling but to be the fact that I cover wrestling as a reporter and now it, it seems like it's a possibility we're going into another like awesome, cool era like that. I'm like, I'm pumped. Cause like, you know, I read wrestling news that that was what got me into it. So like to, to get to report on like guys going here and going there and leaving here and signing there and alliances being formed and all that kind of stuff. Oh, I love it. It's great. It makes me pumped. And Vince, Vince is busy with the XFL stuff going on. He's, he's 74 or five years old now. He's not the young genetic jackhammer that he once was to be able to stand up to the competition is is hunter going to be able to take it like it's going to be a cool i i look forward to all of it so it's me too from a wrestler i just think it's a cool time i'm happy for dean if he chooses to leave he's and he'll we'll see what happens with all that and his his storylines usually it would probably be do something with him put somebody over and take him off tv the last couple months is usually kind of the the pattern. It's sometimes longer for guys so that they don't have as much of a. It does so they're kind they're off TV for a bit essentially if they do go anywhere yep. else. So that would be yeah. my guess. There's, unless they are really really working it out and kind of they'll just kind of keep them involved in not big things until that. So but, if yeah. they're working it out, if they're working it out, and he ends up resigning it after all, I feel like it'll be Triple H versus Dean Ambrose to play off of all this. Yep. If he's definitely not going to sign, I feel like they're going to have him wrestle Nia Jax and put her over on the way out at WrestleMania or something like that, and that's why they did that thing on Raw. Yeah, that would it would 100% is, is that's not done. Like I said, that's done to kind of gauge see how serious he is if he's leaving because if he was kind of playing hardball with him and did want to re-sign, he would know to, to sign before that continues. Just, <laughs> so, yeah. so, totally. Or I just totally. think if best advice I can give Dean is just don't go back to TV and just say you're injured and you get injury pay till your contract runs out. Everything's good, <laughs> and it's really not that big of a deal. Just really go get surgery on something. So, 
Go get a note. It seems like that would be the best advice for sure. 100% would be. But it's uh, everyone handles things their own ways. So, but. Totally. Totally. All right. I got to head out of here. Anything you want to plug real quick before we wrap up? Yes. Uh, ProWrestlingSheet.com. Check out the website. That's my website where, I'm, where I post web uh, stories throughout the week. Uh, Pro Wrestler, at WrestlingSheet on social media. Uh, you can check out uh, our YouTube channel. It's YouTube.com slash C slash WrestlingSheet. That's where uh, we do Raw and SmackDown recaps. That's where my show Wrestling Sheet Radio airs, where we talk about the top stories of the week. Uh, that's also where I put up other fun videos. We have an interview with me and Lance Archer. He's a big pineapple on pizza like fan. That. So. So uh, he, I, we took, I took him to to get some pizza this week, and we chatted about different things. And I ate pineapple on pizza with him. He loves it so much. Uh, and then we got other fun videos that we do on there as well. And so yeah, that, that's that's pretty much it. Good deal. Thank you, Ryan. And we'll be right back, guys, after these messages. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's the big guy Ryback, and I want to talk to you about Fuel Meals, my personal meal prep service I've been using for years. Meal prep at your doorstep. Fuel Meals at FuelMeals.com has something for everybody. An easy way to eat healthy in this fast-paced life we are all living. Whenever I'm in a pinch, I go to my Fuel Meals and I love it. I love to eat real food, but the fact is I can't cook for every single meal of the day. So Fuel Meals come in handy for me when I need it most, and I think it could help you too. Tell them the big guy sent you and use discount code THEBIGGUY to save 15%. FuelMeals.com Feed me more. Ryback invented this. Ryback invented that. You've all seen the made-up headlines, but the one thing the big guy Ryback did invent is Feed Me More Nutrition. All-natural sports nutrition for men and women. Available on FeedMeMore.com and Amazon. Check out FeedMeMore.com and click on our monthly specials for our wake-up Unlimited Energy Cherry Limeade, buy one, get one half off, and vanilla, iso-hungry, grass-fed, prebiotic-enhanced protein isolate, buy one, get one half off. We have something for everybody with Feed Me More Nutrition, so swing by the website and check it out for yourself. Feed. Me. More. We are back. By we, I mean me. No uh, JD and Asian Joe. On this week's show, guys, it was uh, with the Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, we always try to keep the shows um, in that two-hour range. It's uh, due to the metrics, the listening metrics, it kind of anything, and I think we're even, it's going to be a little over that this week, but you definitely don't want to go too much <clears throat> longer than that um, with the way the new the new metrics are, so that they'll be back on next week's show and uh, catch up with them. And uh, I believe we might be having Ricky the Dragon Steamboat on, if I'm not mistaken. I got a C.T. Fletcher. I got to try to get a date with him. That sounded really weird for the show, guys. And uh, get C.T. on here, have a discussion with him. That would a motivating individual. And uh, he's been through a lot. He's, uh, he's one bad dude. So uh, really, really looking forward to having him on. The... Uh, I will say I'm going to do a podcast review for the reviews of the week before we hop into the tips of the week for this week's show. We um, This week's winner is SFURZE76, S-F-U-R-Z-E-76. 
uh, in his review Feed Me More podcast, Ryback agent Joe and JD put on the best podcast with a variety of topics. The chemistry they have together is great how they interact with each other. They have great guests, and I have really learned a lot from listening, like positivity, intermittent fasting, stem cell treatments, to wrestling. When I am listening, it is like sitting in a room with friends just talking. It is the best podcast I have come across. So give it a listen and also contribute through the Patreon. Thank you very much, SFERS76. Please contact me at thebigguyatfeedmemore.com and with your supplement of choice from Feed Me More Nutrition. And uh, we will get that out to you. So thank you for your review, guys. Keep the positive reviews coming in. A wrestling historian, I saw your review there too. Thank you very much. And uh, keep that moving and growing. With that, the uh, did want to definitely want to thank Justin Roberts for coming on the show, Ryan Satin, as always. And uh, Justin is a, a true um, testament to somebody, and you hear us talked as we talked about it in the interview conversation. Um, there were no. There wasn't necessarily a position available for a ring announcer when he was coming up, but he made one available uh, because he had a dream, and that dream was was fueled with passion, and it was his work ethic and hustling, along with all those, all those other things, that gave him this extraordinary life uh, of being a great ring announcer for WWE. And if he chooses to do it somewhere else, he will. Uh, he will, have, he will, he will, he'll be greater than ever. He's uh, just a good dude. I like him a lot. And uh, the Arnold story is truly hilarious to me um, because he's, he, he is such a nice guy. He, he never, he never would, would ever mean any harm to anyone. So he's, uh, I'm glad we got to talk about that on the podcast because it was hilarious. And the, the fact that the photo for this show is going to be, you'll see, it's edited. There's the real photos on my Instagram of uh, me. I was, because I remember when it happened, when he came in and I backed out from the conversation and then I realized they were going for the pick. I got really angry because I didn't want to be in the picture because I just got bumped out. (laughs) So I don't know if I, I can't remember it was so long ago. If I was trying to dart and get out of it all the way, or if I saw that other guy and I hid behind the other guy and like kind of ducked, I can't remember. But I just know you could see the top of my head in the photo he sent, and I put it on Instagram. It's funny when a story could be um, relived with a picture. So, but thank you for Justin for making the time uh, for coming on. It was great, great catching up with him, and uh, really, really enjoyed that. With that, guys, wrapping up. Thank you for listening to this week's show. And uh, as always, for all fan mail, P.O. Box 752740, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89136. This podcast, uh, you can help support it on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Ryback. You get, there's three different versions. Uh, It's uncensored, version one. Version two is uncensored with uh, the tips of the week. And version three is, are those two? with ad-free on patreon.com slash Ryback. Help support this podcast. Amazon merch available on feedmemore.com and Amazon under Feed Me More Nutrition, Feed Me More, the big guy Ryback. Feed Me More Nutrition available on feedmemore.com and Amazon. Spartan Nutrition and Wise Chiropractic 
here in Las Vegas. For personal video shout-outs from myself, go to cameo.com slash thebigguyryback. Book the big guy at yahoo.com for all professional wrestling bookings. Wake Up, It's Feeding Time, my motivational book, available on Amazon in paperback, audible, and Kindle formats. Fuel Meals, my personal meal prep service. You can save 15% with discount code THEBIGGUY. Also, check out Real Good Foods. Save 10% on realgoodfoods.com with code RYBACK. Follow us on social media at CWTVG, at RYBACK22, at FMM Nutrition on Twitter, at Feed Me More Nutrition on Facebook, at the Big Guy Ryback22, at Feed Me More Nutrition, and at Conversation with the Big Guy on Instagram, and Ryback247 on Snapchat. You can listen to this show, watch this show on YouTube, usually up by the end of the week. Uh, so usually if you're if you were about a week behind on the YouTube show compared to the Audible show, hopefully we tighten that up a little bit as time goes on, but it's it's about a six six, seven days from the YouTube uh, show by the time that's on from the audio recording on iTunes and Google Play SoundCloud. That's youtube.com slash more channel. Thank you guys for listening. You have just listened to another episode of Conversation with the Big Guy Ryback. Feed me more. with the big guy Ryback. Subscribe, like, rate, comment.